If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Blah blah blah. The blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. On a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't until I started working with people in addiction that I really saw like myself mirrored in all of these other people and how we're holding on to so much trauma and it's just causing so much pain, but we're not aware of it. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, We're going to be chatting with Jane Shin a little bit later about Vedic astrology and yoga, all sorts of fun stuff like that. We talk about my yoga experiences. which Addiction recovery. That too. We got uh, Graham, I pipe in before it's my time. Dunlop over here. <laughs> Is that actually now in real life? He's in on his way to Europe. In re- oh yeah, I'll be in uh, Europe at this point when this comes when out. When this comes yep. out. Yep. Well, some people listen to this fucking years down the road, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, when it's released, be in Europe. Mm-hmm. So what do you got, buddy? How do you like in the new studio setup here? Yeah, it's good. Thanks for to Brody for help letting us in here. And is this our this first temporary... fucking intro we recorded? No, a second, second. Yeah, yeah, a second. Yeah, but it's good. We're on yeah, it's opposite okay. sides. Yeah. We're getting yeah. used to it. It's a little closer for me actually after work, but traffic seems really weird today. I had a weird experience coming here. I don't know if you guys have ever. I was traveling on that dirt road that like there's a little connection that. It's on down 100th or whatever, and mm-hmm. there's a connection that's dirt. And I'm looking ahead of me, and I'm going normal speed or whatever. And I look ahead of me, there's like f- cars traveling double uh, double lane down the dirt road. I'm like, why is every there's like two cars passing two other cars, and then two cars passing me, and then cars passing from behind. They're going like 80, 90 down this bumpy dirt road. I'm everybody, like 10 cars were speeding and flying by me. And I thought, I felt like I was in the fucking twilight were you zone. You on like, 100th what? Street? I know, I know exactly. What yeah, you're before about. the before the. Were you doing like fucking thirty down a hundred street? I was doing that's seventy, main, dude. Nah, seventy down a dirt road. That's a main with a bumpy dirt road. Oh, yeah, they, people I know, were they fucking fly. flying, and I'm, and that, and then they all end up with a red light ahead. So I'm like, what what the fuck was that all about? But it takes a long time to get through that red light, so they want to get there ahead that, of you. It was weird. It was like everybody for themselves, like Whoa. it's a wild west, baby. Oh, crazy. Anyways, some days. Why would you come that way? That's the best way for me to come. Stony? That's almost yeah. No. better, but the road you're talking about is like a straight line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Stony, not. Nah, but that do road that. is so. Busy. But you drive past so Stony. <clears throat> yeah, I know. And then I go straight all the way on the side road. But you could just take Stony to 16th and come in the Stone, back. Did way. you you know how no. lined up Stony was to get on it today? Just fucking it cut like in right 10, at the yeah, end. No, that's I'm not a, that's how I roll. That's bullshit. No, you don't. Yeah. That way you get in all those accidents? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's from texting. Right. Okay. Well, what people aren't too interested in uh, our traffic. traffic. No, nobody <laughs> gives a fuck. <laughs> what else you got? Well, I got some, I don't know, listener emails, some UFO sightings, lots of feedback, stuff like that. Whatever you want to do, man. Okay, here, let's do it. Let's go with this. UFO quotes. We're going to get... Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and go subscribe to the Grime America. Newsletter Bingo Bingo Social Media Jingle Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America. I think you guys had uh, a lot of listeners to your little DD debacle last night. I can't find fucking anything on this motherfucker today. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, it was a weird uh, D and D session for sure. It not 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 the like, yeah. Like the first half, I thought was like super strong. And it just off. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's the type of encounter. It was a tough encounter. I'm still left in the belly of the beast. I le- I got, I was swallowed by the creature, Darren. And really? the game ended, and I was still in the fucking stomach taking acid damage from the creature. The game ended, and you guys left the fucking stream on for four hours playing nothing. That wasn't us. It was grim. But not only did you fucking <laughs> do four hours of terrible entertainment, you followed it up with four hours of dead air. Of grim, uh, probably grim snoring. <laughs> we really shouldn't give control to the person who always falls. You got to hit that mic a little harder. We really shouldn't give control to the person who falls. That's right. So here's the tweet. What's your view of the moon? Is it a moon? Is it a hologram? Is it a space station? Miles Mundell, it doesn't spin. That's the part that gets me. It does actually spin. It just spins real slow. Uh, uh, what do you mean? The moon spins every time it rotates it doesn't the earth. spin. It rotates. What's the difference between a spin and You're, a rotate? We're always looking at the same side of the moon. That's why there's a dark side. If it spun, there wouldn't be a dark side. No, if it didn't spin, there wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a dark side because when it came around this side, it would be the bright side. I don't know. That's beyond my pay grade. I don't know. <laughs> it spins. It takes twenty eight days. It takes as much time to spin as it takes to tidally lock to the Earth. That's why we always see in the safe the same face. So the dark side of the moon isn't always dark. When we have a new moon, it has a bright moon. Anyhow, next question: There is no moon. It's a Death Star. Stephen Price, it's a moon. It was created when something large hit the earth and gouged tons of rocks that created the moon. Boring view, I know. So it goes around the earth mm-hmm. and it spins, you think? Yeah, it has to. Otherwise, we wouldn't always see the same face. It just spins really. If it didn't spin at all, there would be no gravity. But there is gravity. So it's got to be spinning. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gravity is based on mass, just mass, no um, spin. But it's tidally locked to Earth, so you always see the same thing. So it has to spin to do that, doesn't it? Anyway, maybe you don't call it a spinning. It's a heavily shielded supercomputer packed with consciousness, beaming us down into physical instruments to enjoy eternity 
without the drawback of boredom since the environment and technology is continuously evolving and devolving. Wow. That's from Pete Knott. We got, it's a natural satellite, to which Cyrus says, nope. Everything is a hologram. It's too small to be a moon. It's too small to be a planet. It's where we go to be processed after we die. Oh, I like that one. The soul factory. It's a flat moon. Supposedly pings like a hollow ball when pressured. Some think there's a metal shell around 20 miles below the surface. Could easily be activity on the dark side. No one knows for sure, but feasible. We ain't stepped foot on it in 46 years, though. Hard not to be intrigued by the moon. As per Isaac Asimov, it's a unique marker, moon size versus planet size, to show where extraordinary intelligent life forms exist. And he didn't even know about the similar Pluto-Chiron configuration denoting to any passing aliens that they've reached the correct solar system. Hmm. So I guess one of Pluto's moons is almost as, is hmm. you got to say, cause what's the, the moon's one six. Uh, what if you pass through Earth? on the other side? So the Pluto's moon's rotating around. I mean, who knows? You're the moon's by Pluto. Like. The moon's. So here's the other weird thing about the moon. So the moon's one six, the size of the earth. So that was one six, the gravity, but it's only one. Well, wait, 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 wait. That doesn't quiet. mean size doesn't equal mass. So it doesn't mean that it's got exactly one six gravity, unless it's the same weight ratio. It does. It does. Trust me. All it's one sudden, six. All of a sudden, size and gravity, size and mass are yeah, the same. Yeah, dude, that's why when you drop a fucking ball bearing and a ping pong ball, they fall at the same time because <clears> it's <throat> got to do with size. Trust me, please, 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 let's not argue about this, please. If you want to, you can. Don't use ping just, pong ball as an example. It's going to catch the air and it's going to float sm- slower. The, they fall at the same speed, dude. Not a ping pong ball. Yeah, not we can. <laughs> ping pong balls are they won't make they won't do won't do it, man. Now, ping pong you. balls not a good example. I don't think. I'm telling you, they have the same gravity because they have the same size. So because the moon's only one ninetieth the mass of Earth, and the gravity's not one ninetieth, or there's no way they land anything on it and walk around. You just fly off. It's one sixth, one sixth the size, one sixth the gravity. I thought you just said it earlier when Brody asked about that that you said he said it gravity was, mass. was from spin. Yeah, and you said it was from mass. I meant size. Okay, yeah. there we go. Thanks. So you're just using me as your authority directly. <laughs> so now, quote, now we're gonna have Darren. to get a we're gonna have to get a ping pong ball and a ball bearing in here so we can prove to ground that they fall at the same speed. Uh, we get terraforming device, future home of the igloo, Ooh. hollowed out space station. One hundred percent. A lot of people said cheese. 100% real cheese, 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 cheese wheel, space station. It's a designed satellite to give structure to our marking of existence and an illumination for seeing into the darkness. It's a nightlight. The only thing I know is that it's always looking at me. There is no moon. The sad truth is it's just a rock orbiting the earth and nothing else. Some people are so definitive. Moon, dude, it's an extraordinary piece of engineering. It's definitely not natural. The chances of it being there by accident are very slim. Who knows how it got there? That is true. I've heard a lot of fucking physicists say that there's 
it's way easier to explain why the moon shouldn't be there than why it is. And the weird thing is, like Brody was saying at the, about the tides and stuff, like it really is critical to Earth. Yeah, here's like It's a, almost like when you're terraforming a planet, you need to throw something around there like that. You to, need to get shit you know, sloshing around, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got one here on that same subject from Anonymous and Fieldian. Is the moon hollow? It sounds like it is. Without the moon, life would not be here on Earth. No tides and nothing to stabilize Earth's rotational wobble. What are the chances of that? And why does the moon... What are you... You, like, rubbing no, your no, computer off scratching, there? Scratching. Oh. And why does the moon not rotate? And why do we only ever see one side of it? To which Trendy Van Trendle says, because of magnetism. Which makes sense. If we had the two same uh, magnetic poles stuck together all the time. Hey, man, the electric universe makes more and more fucking sense all the time. Electricity and magnetism go hand in hand. From Luis Enrique, friend of the show. It's a plug. Once pulled, the fluid of space will wipe out like the ancient flood. We are in a goldfish bowl. That's pretty funny, actually. It rings like a bell. It governs our oceans and seasons. It fits perfectly within sacred geometry or we within it. And according to most astrophysicists, it shouldn't be there. And it's also the exact same size as the sun in the sky. So it's, it's only, it's, it's like 400 times smaller than the sun or something, but 400 times closer. So it's weird. So they appear the exact same size. It covers it perfectly in an eclipse. Its mass makes it a moon. That's how the seas and tides are created. If hollow, no tides and no more. It's only got one ninetieth the mass. Space station. It's a moon. How the moon happened that way? Not sure. Not aliens, Giorgio. Depends on what you call aliens, doesn't it? I have certainly met a few illegal Russians who, who given the resources, would give moon making a bloody good go. That's a weird comment. The moon doesn't even exist. I've never looked up into the sky and seen what people describe as the moon. You are all part of one big conspiracy against me. I am more swayed by the PCH primal cheese hypothesis and lately am trending toward the goat side of the argument. Have you had enough moon? I mean, I could go on. No, that's good, all, buddy. That's, all, it, that's enough. Yep. Yeah. yep, that's plenty. We're going to do an episode on the moon soon. Oh, here we go. Here's another good oh. one. The moon itself is illuminating celestial clock. It is a dimension higher than the one we're currently in. It marks the months, months, for us. As a human in a flesh suit, one cannot travel or land on the moon or fly around it. There you have it. We're going to have Lewis Proud on soon, and we're going to fucking talk about the moon big time. Sounds right. good. What do you got? That took longer than I expected. I'm fucking tired out. Yeah. So I got some listener emails, feedback and stuff. How about that? Or do you want to get into, why don't we get into uh, the UFO sighting at first? CE5 experience. Or the okay. quote. There we go. <laughs> we had the new moon, dark sky, which is great. <laughs> had a plan, camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Okay. Clear. Okay. okay, turn so down. Read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. As soon as it starts the oh, oh, we can turn it down. Oh, yeah, that's good. Come on. Streaker's coming down. Grim Come on. Seriously. <laughs> Triggered. <clears throat> hey, Graham. Hey, Darren. Hope all is well. As I write this, 
I just saw on LifeLog, I mean Facebook, that the igloo is no more. It survived an alleged DUI crash, but won't make the move. <coughs> RIP, best wishes and good vibes for the new location. Wherever it is, the igloo will live on in spirit. That's right. It's a metaphorical igloo now. First, I'll start by saying I'm fairly new to the actual CE5. I've studied it for many years. And I've read about UFO encounters and watched endless videos on the subject and, of course, listened to many podcasts like Gray America on the UFO phenomena. But recently, this spring, I decided I'd start practicing CE5. I spent many a night watching Stephen Greer talk about CE5s and CE5 protocols and found it very interesting. I then started practicing meditation using an audio clip I found from one of his seminars explaining how the meditation works and what to focus on. I then practiced that for a few months, sometimes just in my home. Then I started going out at night and stargazing. Of course, you can spend many nights just watching the stars and planets and not experience anything. But I can say this summer alone, I've had two experiences and the second one undeniable. So let's get to it before I bore the listeners. It's September 13th, around 8.30 Eastern. I've got this app on my phone called Star Tracker, and it just shows you where all the constellations are in the sky. It also sends you notifications when the alignments happen, meteor showers, eclipses, and all that good stuff. So around 7-ish, I get a no notification about the moon, Jupiter, and the star Antares. They're in alignment. And I was busy at the time, so I head outside around 830 I turned the app on looking for the alignment. Unfortunately, I'd missed it because I live in an area with lots of mountains and it had already moved just below the tree line. So being slightly disappointed, I debated in my head if I should go back in or stay out and try a bit of CE5. So looking up towards the sky, roughly where the alignment was, I closed my eyes and centered myself, got calm, relaxed. I opened my eyes to take a look around and something caught my eye in the northwest sky. I see a bright yellow star around triple the size of the other stars in the sky. Most of them look like small white lights, so I start watching it, and I haven't even started the meditation yet, and it starts slightly moving right to left. I get nervous and shake my head and try to focus my eyes and even adjust my glasses. After focusing on it and readjusting my eyes, it's pretty clear this is a UFO. As I point no, hang on. As I watch this bright yellow star move left, right, up and down, and in circles, it's like dancing for me, and I thank them for visiting. Around 15 to 20 minutes passes, and it's still happening. All this, I'm trying to capture this, uh, let's see here, it's still, I lost myself here. At, at this point, my parents come outside to see what I'm doing, and I found the alignment. I told them I saw something even better and told them to come and see, and both of them saw it as well. Within seconds, the dance started again. My dad, in disbelief, trying to explain it away as a plane, and he asked if I, if, if said, he asked, have you ever seen a plane do that before, dancing and now flickering? So I asked them to move closer, and it rose straight up fairly quickly, and then dropped down again, and my dad finally admitting it's moving erratically and can't be an airplane. Excited, we watched this go on for about 20 minutes and then decided to go back in. I stayed out for over an hour watching this UFO dance in the West Sky, and it was truly an amazing experience. And the fact that I got to witness it with family was next level. I wrote this email. As soon as I went back inside, I had to share this with Grimerica. 
So that's my second CE5 experience. Hope you enjoyed it. Sorry for the crappy grammar, but most of you are used to it by now in the chats. Take care and good vibes. Good vibes, baby. Thanks, Paul. That was awesome. Uh, it reminds me of, it, it totally reminds me of some of the stuff we see. Brighter than a star, much brighter, dancing, flickering, sometimes flashing on and off, moving around, spinning. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty I'll say this. It seems like every time I can go out now and find a dark patch of sky and just start looking at it for a while, it's just a matter of time. Really? Yeah. Always moving shit. Really? I've already seen 10 UFOs in the last couple of months. Oh, come on. Yeah. Me and Lisa seem like three together. I thought, I thought you said they were fast walkers or something. Yeah, that's what they something. are. Yeah. Something like, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're aliens, but I'm saying I'm seeing a lot of stuff moving around in the sky. Can't all be satellites, can it? No, it's not. That's the thing. What's right? an iridium I mean, flare? Well, that's supposed to be that satellite with the iridium, like that shines off the sun, the iridium flare. That's the one that pulses? Yeah. So well, I see that. No, because I thought it was just once as it flashes. doesn't pulse, right? I don't think. Well, that's what I mean. It pulses like every couple of seconds. It no, flashes. that's not. Oh. I don't think that's supposed to be the iridium flare. I thought the iridium flare was just a one like bright light that as it as it spins around. Or maybe it's maybe it's supposed to flash. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But some people say, oh, you can't see it from that high up. And some people, you know, but I mean, they can't all be the iridium flare. That's the thing. I don't think it's a whole bunch of iridium flares up there. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of stuff up there moving around. I don't know what's what, but. Big shout, shout out to Celia from um, RC SETI group. She, or, or I should say RCE5 group, really. Um, she's released up. She's got her book done. It's the handbook, the CE5 handbook. I'm probably going to read it. We're probably going to turn it into an audio book here. And it's a great little, it's like a, you can bring it out. It's got meditations in there. It's got, we should each narrate it and see which one sells more. Uh, sure. Let's do it. You want to we'll spend eight hours in here and narrate Eight it? hours? Oh, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> How many pages is and it? And then we're getting, um, she's getting feedback from people in, How uh, many pages? in BC. That's like 180 or something like that, probably. That's more like six hours. My uh, fucking version will be faster of, and better. <clears throat> Maybe I should read it now. I could just hit play if you want. No, no, I'm talking about emails with new, different sightings and stuff like that. Oh. You know, it's made me we don't have a sightings jingle. We do. Ugh, that one again? This one? Yeah, this is awesome. We kept saying, you know, what is that? What is that? And it wasn't until after the events happened and it disappeared to the south in the darkness that we went inside. We stayed outside for a couple seconds and we went inside. And she sat on the couch and I went to the bar and I sit on the stool and I took my glasses off and we stared at each other for 5, 10, 15 minutes, who knows. And I got up and I wanted to go back outside and as I grabbed the door I looked my wife right in the eye and I said, we just saw our first UFO. And she looked at me back and she goes, I know, I know. It's like audio drama, not jingle. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah. And the vampire trance. They probably got another one. Are you not ready? What do you want to? What do you want me to do? I just played your UFO sighting jingle because you said you had some UFO sightings to read. I, did I misunderstand that? All right, I got another one. 
thought you thought it was an after the fact jingle. We need a dead air jingle. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not too sure if I want to read this one or not. Really? Yeah. Why is it I'm gonna racist? Save, I'm going to save the the uh, the CE five ones for another time. But there's a guy. There's some guys in BC in Revelstoke and stuff, and they're getting lots of uh, different sightings as well. So really? It's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Why aren't you going to read it? Because uh, it's it gets it's just he's there's none of details there. Oh, yeah. Don't like his report. You think it reflects badly on the UFO disclosure? Can I read, you, can I read you something else? Sure. No, I don't think that at all. That's <laughs> There's a synchronicity with ice rings in the lake and everything. It's the first time he did it. It's quite the story, but I wanted to wait till I get more information on it. Okay. So this is a good one, though, because this involves me as well. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hey, guys, congrats on 300 episodes. This is a bit of a synchronicity, too. That's an amazing accomplishment. Been listening to your podcast for almost a year, supporter for four months, and I'm still working through the back catalog. It makes my commute... A time to learn and creates a mindset for the day of self-improvement. So I want to share some UFO dreams I've been having. I'll preface by saying I have a real sighting of a real triangle-shaped craft. What seemed to be flying really low. I was a kid, so it could have been something identifiable, but I remember my mom being astounded by it also. This was over the Scablands of Washington, about 10 miles from the Dry Falls, at night coming home from an away basketball game in junior high. That's been my only sighting of a UFO, and that was about 18 years ago now. My first UFO. Say that again. Where was it in relation to the Dry Falls? <clears throat> uh, 10 miles. North or south? Doesn't say. Hmm. My first UFO dream came about two years ago. I was outside hanging with family when I felt, heard a pulsating humming. I turned to look, and I saw this craft. It looked experimental, and I remember the vibration was so intense as it flew by me that I had the feeling of chill and hair raised on my neck. I woke up with this feeling that I need to do something with what I saw, but I had no idea what. The second dream came about six months ago. I was on a ridge above a huge gorge. I was with my dad when we saw two ships. They looked commercialized, but unmarked. Intergalactic delivery trucks with curves like a classic human vehicle. It was ultra real, like 4K. They flew by similar vibration, but that was not the emphasis this time. Seemed normal the way I interacted with my dad in the dream. The third most recent one was about five days ago. I don't remember my dreams much. Same reason as D-Ron. Hmm. But these were so real and were seared into my memory. I was in front of my house this time. I saw a ship approaching. It seemed like a smaller ship. More personalized. I remember being excited because I thought I was awake. I could recall thinking, finally, I knew those dreams were about something. I didn't know I was asleep. And in my dream, I could remember my first two dreams. Oh, this is weird. When you're in your dream and you remember your other dreams. I've never had so that he's, happen. Really? So he's in his dream and he remembers the first two dreams about the UFOs and how they seem to be connected. The ship flew over, did some close circular maneuvers, and then started to land. I woke up there and was briefly disappointed and confused that it wasn't real. I don't know what to make of these dreams, but they are so different than my normal ones. I don't know how to interpret them or if I'm just watching too much sci-fi. 
What do you think? Am I being abducted in my sleep? I hope not. This is from uh, Brando714. I think he's in the chats, too, quite a bit lately. Yep. Yeah. Seems like a cool cat. So to compound this. I get uh, to, com- I'm going to compound it too. I wake up in the morning. <sighs> the night before. Robbed. The night before. No, no, not today. Oh. <laughs> when I got this email from Brando, I woke up thinking that was a crazy UFO dream. I had a UFO dream and it was the cr- to the point where I thought that's a weird, I find that like I had another UFO dream because they don't, they don't happen all the time. I was, oh, here, I see, I can't remember this now. Very weird. I was throwing a basketball and some other ball-type things at the windshield of an aircraft or of the craft from above. They were interested in my cat, Zeus, and I was kind of bragging about him. There were multiple crafts and landings in this building area. So strange. I wouldn't have thought much, but when I woke, I was thinking that was another UFO dream, and then I got your email today. This is your reply to him? Yeah. Part of my reply. So I was supposed to be leaving like in two days or tomorrow night to start heading to Smokium RV Resort. Yeah. Which is 18 miles from Dry Falls. Should have done it. You might have missed the big sighting. I don't want to go through the pass, I decided. What? It goes through the mountain pass, like fucking three hours of mountain pass. You don't want to go through there? Not right now with it snowing. Supposed to snow snow all weekend, yeah. So I'm just going to the pass and I'm staying there. Might go as far as Fernie. Can I tell you about another wake up dream? Oh, we love hearing about your dreams, buddy. (laughs) We fucking love it. I thought I had a dream jingle, actually. Yeah, forget it. No, no, let's hear about your dreams. Well, you got the lucid dream jingle, don't you? I can't. Oh, here it is. Can't find it. Is it real or a dream? What does that even mean? So I want to know what Brody uh, thinks about this. Because like that other dream, because it's similar to the other one, right? So, so I'm having this dream. I'm with these this girl. And she talks about uh, her dad liking something about Pink Floyd's great gig in the sky and her dad. And I'm thinking, my dad used to love that album and that song. And I, and I was talking about how much my dad loved that Pink Floyd, the dark side of the moon, the great gig in the sky. And I was, I started bawling in my dream, like literally like just bawling, like all this emotion, like super emotional dream, wake up, get in my car, go to work. And I see in the cruising with chats, uh, discord, Cruising with chat. There's a big paragraph. Like the first thing I see in there, they're talking about the great gig in the sky. I'm like, what are the fucking chances that I'm dreaming about this? And that's the first thing I see in the chats. That is fucked up. I remember seeing that in the chats that day, actually. Yeah. That's like, uh, hmm. what do you think, Brody? I mean, like, is it like, there's too many of these dream things that happen where like, am I picking up on something? Dreams or, Know how, how I feel about dreams. There's such a like I don't even know intangible, where to start, weird right? sort like, of intangible thing. Well, intangible, intangible. I can't even say that word. Intangible um, from like a like a physical perspective for sure. But like even like the amount of research that's been done on it is like so inconclusive. Like you don't even know. 
where to start with something like that. Like, it could be something as simple as uh, like your phone went off and somehow like subconsciously you, you picked up, like you saw the text pop up on your phone or something and then your dream picked up on it or it's some sort of who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, dreams are... There's been some research uh, from some of the lucid dream guys and stuff that almost show it's very similar to like OBEs and stuff. Like things can fucking... People can connect and things can happen. It's pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. we had yeah. some of the... One of those guys on the show talking about something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, but. yeah. We had, a, we had a good episode a few months back or a, qu- a few years back actually now. But yeah, I don't know how like practical any of that is you know yeah 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 i don't know it's practical in the way that maybe it'll be part of the whole evidentiary paradigm shift like people realizing that okay this isn't just we're not just fucking meat puppets on the table you know there's something more to it we're connected in other ways well we're all connected through energy and stuff yeah, yeah. but i don't know if it's like as deep as all those people are talking about yeah yeah maybe right it's all just energy baby yeah i have a big uh, a big um email from somebody experiencing some therapy similar to what Jane Chin talks about in here. I can't remember if it's Campbell or not, but it's a, I want to actually just do like a big reading of that in a, in a black budget episode or something. It's really interesting uh, email, really well written about his experience through psychedelics and, and healing and stuff. Cool beans. And therapy as well, actually. I like it. You're so, yeah. it now? Nope. No, 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 I'm saving it. I said oh. I was reading it uh, oh. for a Black so Budget it? episode. All right, well, let's bag for some money. Well, let's uh, do the UFO quote before uh, uh, I forget. Are we no, still doing that? Yeah, we are, buddy. Six left, five left. Was there a synchronicity quote? Rating? Going deep. Nah, he doesn't rate mine, fucking guy. Three. Three. Three, thanks. <laughs> 3.33? My, sm- my smoky MRV resort's getting a nine. <laughs> Was even off by eight miles. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. You gotta wonder. This is the first sighting in Zimbabwe where airborne pilots have tried to intercept a UFO. As far as my air staff is concerned, we believe implicitly that the unexplained UFOs are from civilizations beyond our planet. And that was from Air, Air Commodore David Thorne, director of general operations for the Zimbabwe Air Force in 1985. Nice. Oh, another one? We'll keep going yeah, here. Double yeah, whammy double whammy. Up. Double it up so we can get you out of this. Uh... I can't wait to, for the next fucking era of quotes. I've listened to fucking hundreds and hundreds of UFOs. This is quotes. good. This is part of the whole thing. This, I, I was know, given this so this, many great quotes in history, and we're just reading UFO quotes. These are these are impertinent. That overlaps through all areas of our social. Here's my quote of the week: Happiness is reality minus expectations. How about go fuck yourself? Resentments are expectations in, under construction. There you go. Mm. Resentments are. Expectations or construction. I would say resentments are more like unresolved expectations. Maybe disappointments are expectations under construction. Maybe. UFOs sighted in Indonesia are identical with those sighted in other countries. Sometimes they pose a problem for our air defense, and once we were obliged to open fire on them. 
That's Air Marshal Nurjadin Roseman, Commander-in-Chief of the Indonesian Air Force in 1967. Nice. Yeah. 67, good year. Isn't that the year fucking the doors started? Or is that when Jim Morrison died? <laughs> no, I thought he huh, might have been, actually. I don't know. Yeah. Oops. Pretty sure the doors weren't at Woodstock, though. No, they weren't, and they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Bad year. All right. So That's I, got it. A, so I got a support email, like a thank you email. Yeah. Spit it out. Hey, Darren and Graham, just listened to the latest podcast and was dismayed to hear the Igloo will no longer be the home for the Gramerica podcast. As Felix said in the jingle, many excellent interviews were had in the Igloo and will be missed by all Gramericans. I'm 25 years old and have been listening to the show for about four or five listening years. To, show? to the show. So safe to say Grimerica definitely helped me and my worldview of today. I can't imagine not having the show to listen to anymore. So I just canceled my $1.11 subscription and resubscribed to the five fifty five donation. And I urge all fellow Grimericans to, to up their support as well, whether increasing an existing subscription, subscribing to the show for the first time, or making more of an effort to share the show with more people. We all can do something. The diverse and open platform provided by Gramerica is an important component to the truth movement, and it needs to keep going. Thank you, Darren and Graham, for all you do. The listeners of the show have your backs. Sending good vibes from St. Paul, Minnesota, and that's from Eric. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate your support. Absolutely. And very well Thanks said. Thanks for the raise, and that is well said. And, uh, yeah, like we said, it's... Uh if we didn't have any supporters right now, probably the show would have just probably came to a like crashing halt. Oh, totally. But uh, we do. We have a few. So we, we get to hang on for a little bit here. Crash on Brody's couch. Again, shout out to Brody for uh, putting up with us and for moving all our stuff for us. And uh, yeah, we're, we're doing our new promotion there where we're going to dedicate a wall of the new studio when we can finally afford one to... The first 1,111 subscribers of the show that pay our bills yeah. and help us pay for our new studios. So they'll be immortalized in Grand American history. That's awesome. No matter how many listeners or whatever, or supporters or whatever we ever get in the, in the future of the show, those 1,111 people will be historic. One day when we have like a headquarters office, we'll actually build a fucking wall outside. We'll etch their names in. Headquarters. Oh, my God. American headquarters, baby. Maybe the political party too. Alt right Graham. Anyway, yeah, yeah. support the show. I didn't mean to say alt right Graham. Sorry. Alt right. Alt right. He's all great. He's all right. He's not alt right. He's all right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, support so, the show, hey, guys. And there's also a, we talk about some other stuff too. There's a an internet radio station that we're on right That's now right. on Wednesdays. Usually is our night. We got a bunch of other shows on there as well. OBDM, our big dumb mouth. Those guys are awesome yeah. as well. Similar stuff to us, a little bit more newsy, a little bit more clippy. Oh, are we playing the No more, Agenda like, stuff no agenda now? Stuff. We got Nick the Rat on there. Oh, cool, yeah. It's, so it's getting filled with all our favorite shows. Yeah, if there's a show yeah. that you think should be on there, let us know. And we'll fuck, as long as they don't interfere. I'd love to have it all live all the time, but yeah. there's just not enough. You know, so we're just so throwing much a bunch of schedule. Oh, big, huge shout-out to Adam and the Cat in the Box um, podcast because he's 100% handling all of scheduling right now. So America, along with Brody, Cat in the Box, Cruising with Steak, Along with Jessen and a couple other guys, played D and D on the live stream last night. <laughs> Quite the it's encounter. Gone. There's no way to track that down, though. It's gone. 
Oh, no. I think Grim oh, recorded it. it. Yeah. Are you guys going to release well, it? No, but we should one day. Me and the Maybe. OBDM guys might start uh, a little... Uh, commentary show oh over your guys' things will tro- troll you a little bit. I think that would be stellar. Yeah, I think we're it would be try so it much out. fun. Me and Mike have been talking about trying it out. It would add a whole other level to, D- to D&D. <laughs> there you have it. Right on. So, so I think yeah. that's about it. About time to get out of here, guys. We really do need some support so we can start uh, seriously considering the next step in well, the evolution of Gramerica and you yeah. know. Not only we that. We can't just take Brody's studio up forever. So. No, but not only that, but it's, also about, it's also about sort of maybe looking at our own infrastructure so we don't have to li- uh, rely on these corporations to fund us, right? Like PayPal and not to, there's no, there's no sponsors or no ads and all that's all value for value, but, but still, Patreon and PayPal, we're I mean, still like, beholden but, you know, on corporations. who knows what the fuck can happen with these things. Say the wrong thing about pedophilia or something like that. And we're shut. Shut the fuck up. That's it. Graham's car gets the robbed. They probably stole your fucking passport, so you can't come back from. Uh, where are you going again? Prague. Prague. Yeah. yeah. We'll never see him again. Hopefully that doesn't happen. So we started you out with some good vibes, and now we'll play you into uh, play you out of this intro with a little shout out to the igloo. You may have heard by now. Darren and Graham have had to close up shop on the igloo their makeshift podcast studio. But don't cry now. It's time for you to subscribe now. It hurts so bad to say goodbye to the igloo. Many excellent interviews were had in the igloo. But Darren and Graham will pull themselves up by their bootstraps get into a real studio with a little help from your grammarica subscription subscription Tonight we've got Jane Okagaya Shin with us. Know thyself and be free is the intention of her website. She's a teacher and a 
and a researcher of Vedic astrology, spiritual medicines like the Campbell medicine uh, for healing, reintegration and healing of the emotional body, embodiment practices, the art of optimal health and well-being. Uh, these are all the things that uh, Jane is into, and we're going to have a great conversation with her. Thanks for coming on the show, Jane. All right. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, that sounds really good. The audio is good. Sorry for all the little hiccups there. Not at all. Yeah, so there's a lot of things to talk about. I don't know, where, where do you want to start uh, this time around? Uh, let's see, maybe giving uh, an overview of some of those things that you introduced. Um, I, I guess uh, um, there are a lot of seemingly uh, different things, but really it's just a way for me to share my own journey, uh, my um, kind of my path to awakening and unfolding and developing into uh, where I am today. Uh, today, I feel like I'm in a place of sharing um, my process, my journey with others. Um, and it's really allowed for some beautiful spaces to connect with people and to, you know, become a part of other people's journey. And um, yeah, and really like through this whole thing, it's just, um, I feel like in line with what's kind of going on globally, which is an expansion of human consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, people coming together, healing and connecting and really remembering um, the bigger picture that all is one, mm-hmm. that we are one, and that um, as we grow as individuals, we are um, in, um, oftentimes indirectly and um, sometimes consciously contributing to the expansion of, of everything else. Um, and so that can be a very powerful thing to be consciously aware of what we are contributing Um, So, yeah, so all of these little things that I do, Vedic astrology, uh, yoga, tai chi, qigong, um, combo, um, and I work with other um, entheogenic medicines or master plant spirits. And these are all just the things that I have found in my path that have helped me to reconnect with myself, reconnect with others, um, and really reconnect with um, what's going on in terms of me being a part of this human experience and remembering how tremendous it is remembering the magnificence of life and really returning to my joy, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so that's really what I'm here to, to hopefully share with, with the viewers, with the listeners, and also, you know, um, my own, uh, my own supporters. You know? yep. nice. Hopefully we can get the communities together and continue to expand as we're doing. Nice. Yeah. Expand the hegemony. Hegemony? <laughs> hegemony. Would, what's your, do you have like, uh, if you had to, if you had to pick like a top three out of all those practices, what do you think you'd pick? You could only do um, three if you're like Jane, that's <laughs> it. You got to pick three, no more. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I think that um, combo and I, I work with uh, master plant spirits, if I can kind of lump those together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or shamanic, shamanic medicines, especially from the Amazon. Um, that would be one of them. Uh, and then, uh, physical embodiment practices, for instance, like yoga, and then Vedic astrology for sure. And uh, if I can kind of give an introduction of, of those and then see, and then also talk about how they, they really fuse together in, in, in my journey and practice. Um, so I guess um, for me, um, it started about 10 years ago when um, I was in, living in San Francisco. I was uh, practicing martial arts um, previously in Chicago and then I moved to San Francisco. And while I was living in San Francisco, um, I stumbled upon the Bhagavad Gita. A friend of mine had given it to me. And um, uh, when I read this book for the first time, 
I felt that I was holding in my hand the book of life. So what the heck? Like, how do they know all this stuff? You know, like who knows this stuff? And like, why, what the heck do I have in my hand? And I really felt that I was touching upon something magical for the first time. And it really like re-inspired me because, you know, when we're kind of in the rut of, of a life that seems devoid of meaning and purpose, it's like, we don't really connect to anything that's really all that like significant. That's how I felt at least. So when I was holding this book in my hand, I was like, whoa, feeling that I had struck upon something very tremendous or perhaps it had found me at that perfect time because I was ready for it, right? So um, then my uh, connection to my martial arts and like what I was practicing in the body felt just completely different. I really felt like what Descartes talks about, like we are the the rider that's here in the uh, third eye, in the back of the, or in the center of the head. And that like, I was really feeling like I was the rider in this body, right? That I was like this kind of crazy um, human technology and I was the rider and I was here. Um, and then that was kind of the first um, bit of that awakening process. And of course it, it took some time for it to truly un unfold um, then there was that, and that actually took me to uh, traveling to India and studying yoga. And I lived in India for about six months, um, studying and practicing yoga. And uh, eventually I did an apprenticeship there, also teaching um, other teachers to eventually, um, you know, share the practice of yoga. Um, however, interestingly, about almost six months later, when I was um, seeking out a travel visa to stay in India longer, uh, India eventually kicked me out. Um, because, uh, it was time for me to go, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was realizing when I was there that I was staying because, um, I was trying to escape something that was here in my life. Um, in my, you know, young mind, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to India and do the real spiritual thing, which is to become a monk. So at that time I like shaved my head, did the whole shebang. Like I wasn't using running water, wasn't using electricity. I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. I'm doing it. I'm a hermit. I'm doing what is called spiritual. Um, ended up again, like I said, get, getting kicked out of India because what my where my work really was, was back home. And so I came back home and I was really, you know, very enthusiastic about sharing the practice of, practice of yoga with other people. Um, Interestingly, while, uh, you know, looking for work, you know, fine, trying to find places to teach and all that, um, I ran into Vedic astrology. And it was just during a time that I just was really hungry for knowledge, really still having that like enthusiasm of this new teaching, new, new practice, new way of living. And so, um, yeah, I was, I think Vedic astrology found me. <laughs> it's like with everything else in my life, I feel like. And uh, Vedic astrology was very tremendous in that previous to finding this science, um, my understanding of astrology was not a good one. <laughs> like the, the astrology that we're most familiar with like is the, what in the is, paper. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the Sunday times paper. Right. So we're like, okay, this is very general. There are 12 personalities and I'm supposed to be one of them. Right. Yeah. Um, and it seemed very much like a science that was not very alive or, or accurate to me. And I, I personally have a very scientific mind and it took me a long time to even come into this idea of, of like spiritual practice in itself. So when I came to um, be exposed to Vedic astrology for the first time, I realized that it was a 
uh, science that was based on our connection to the cosmos. Of course, that's what we think of astrology um, in general, the traditional Western astrology, for instance. Uh, what I learned, however, was that the traditional Western astrology is not based on the stars above us. And I realized that because Vedic astrology is a science that is based on current astronomy. So the science of what we are surrounded by in this moment today. Mm. Um, so realizing that, I'm like, wait, if that's true, then what is Western astrology doing? And that really like confused me for a while. And then I, and continuing to study the science, I realized that um, in the Western world today, our understanding of astrology is based on dates that are nearly 2,000 years old, 2,000 years out of date. And um, what this is causing, and I don't, and from my exposure to people who, you know, study astrology, is that people don't realize in the traditional Western astro astrological world that the dates that, are that they are using are not current to um, current astronomical phenomena. And what that's actually creating on the larger scale is that the scientific community is looking at the metaphysical community here in the West and being like, you guys are crazy. Like I'm looking at this at the moon right now and it's hanging between Castor and Pollux, which we know is constellation of Gemini. And y'all are saying it's in cancer. You must be crazy because I'm looking at it right now. So what that's causing is like the scientific community looking at the metaphysical or spiritual community and be like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You are not basing your information on scientific data. And so what that's creating again is a huge rift, right? So and what Vedic astrology has the ability to offer us, and in my sharing, I hope to do this, is to help reconcile the seeming opposites. Because in reality, there is no difference between science and spirituality. They're both just, you know, again, seeming opposites that actually allow for a greater um, understanding. understanding of what is, right? So I, I truly hope that, you know, in my sharing, that that is something that we can to understand that actually what we're doing here is the same thing, whether you approach it from the scientific perspective or the intellectual perspective, or whether you're coming from the, um, you know, the approach of like the emotional body, emotional healing, um, energy, whatever the, the root may be, they all lead to the source. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when we reconcile these seeming uh, opposites, I feel like, well, it's another example of, of Tantra. Tantra is like the sacred union of the seeming opposites, in which case a lot of times we think of it as masculine and feminine. Right? And we see that all over the world today as well, like women becoming empowered, men starting to understand like a deeper connection to um, the emotional body. Everyone in, in themselves is starting to find that reconciliation of seeming opposites, like my outer self and my inner self. And so it's happening everywhere, even in science and spirituality. So that's um, kind of how I, I landed into the world of Vedic astrology. Hmm. And on a personal, uh, personal note, and the reason why it became so impactful is uh, before I left India, I was working with uh, my Reiki master and I was traveling with him for some time. And in his work, in his energy work on, on myself, um, I kept encountering um, the idea of mother. Just kept, just kept coming to me, mother, 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 mother. And I knew that I had a disconnect from my mother. And so 
that also was a big part of what kicked me out of India because I needed to go deal with those issues, right? Um, and then when I started to learn how to read my own energy chart, you know, what's called a natal chart or a birth chart based on the exact time of your birth, mm-hmm. i.e. the time of your manifestation on this, on this plane, um, it was very apparent that I had some issues with my mom, right? <laughs> my mother or the, just our connection to that mother energy. Mm-hmm. Energy of um, unconditional love, support. Um, and so I saw that in the chart. But there's one thing to like theoretically understand something, and then there's a, another thing to experience and really to know it in your being. And um, not too long afterward, uh, there was an interesting that ha- a thing that happened in my life, which was um, my sister. She came up to me one day. She's like, I have to tell you something. Um, I've been holding this secret for three years. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, oh, I'm bracing myself. I already knew kind of what it was about. And she's like, uh, you know, Three years ago, I ran into this old photo, and it was um, a photo, a marriage photo of my mother and father, and it was dated like five, four or five years after my birth, and so she questioned my father about it. She's like, what is this about? And then he was like, oh, uh, I don't know, and then he, the truth came out, which was that the mother, the person, the woman who raised me as my mother was actually not my mother. Oh, and it wow. was a secret that uh, I was actually orphaned at a young age. Wow. And, and that she posed as my mother. And um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a huge turn of events in my life. And what I had originally thought was my disconnect with, with my mother was far deeper than I had ever expected. Yeah. So it goes to show that you, we might understand something theoretically, but until we start to experience it in our life, we don't really know what it means right we don't really know the feeling yet um so yeah that happened and was with huge turn of events that really a lot um that started to really get the spiritual awakening uh, aspect in my life going so that happened and um so i realized okay i'm adopted um and i had never met my birth mother before so uh shortly after that maybe just a few months, you know, all of this is now exposed. Um, I went up to my father and uh, questioned him about it. And um, so he told me what had happened, not completely. And that comes to be unraveled later on in life. But then uh, shortly after that, I was able to reconnect with my birth mother. So yeah, just something like seven years ago, I had met my, I just met my uh, birth mother and I realized and uh, met also my two uh, brothers. So it was a big thing that happened in my life that really catapulted my, my spiritual growth. Um, so that's what happened on the externals, right? And then what's really happened is um, much later on down the road, I realized there's so much emotional trauma that's lodged in the emotion that that's lodged in that part of the body, emotional body. That's also manifesting physically, and it has like had so much of an impact on the way that I see things, the way I interact with people. And I realized that I was extremely isolated, very lonely person. I had a lot of trauma that I was holding on to that was preventing me from from deeply connecting with people. Hmm. And um, a lot of times, like, we are pretty much, like, unaware of a lot of these things. And it was really, like, um, in my work in addiction, 
uh, recovery because I forgot to talk about this before, but like I have a past of also um, um, addiction and substance abuse and alcoholism, which comes a lot from, again, these traumas that I had not faced and didn't really understand the sources of mm-hmm. and had not reconciled them myself. And so what happened is I was holding on to a lot of this trauma. And it wasn't until I started working with people in addiction that I really saw like myself mirrored in all of these other people and how we're holding on to so much trauma and it's just causing so much pain, but we're not aware of it. And because, you know, I feel like subconsciously we're so scared of what we might find. And what people might think maybe. Oh, totally. And uh, especially because, you know, as social creatures, so much of our survival has to do with being accepted by a community. And so it is very much um, a validated fear, but at the same time, like, yeah, I get it, but it's like, how much is that really serving us? Right. Um, So uh, with that, I realized too, that the traditional methods of quote unquote healing (laughs) addiction, trauma uh, is not very effective especially working in a a holistic addiction recovery that really um, uh, was quite amazing in their approach was very different from the, um, the types of recovery systems and programs that were already out there that gives uh, people a more overall approach into health and well-being and really um, studying the self by meditation and practices like yoga. And we see this a lot really coming around these days but I just felt like there was something missing there. And so that actually led me to finding combo. Combo is um, the venom of a poisonous tree frog from uh, the Amazon jungle in South America. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I slap venom on people. <laughs> I slap venom on myself. It's interesting though. On your uh, tongue, you put it in your mouth? No, actually. So combo is um, administered through burns in the skin so you take the surface level uh, you create an opening excuse me on the surface level of the skin through burns and we call these gates and there the reconstituted venom of the poisonous tree frog is then placed upon those gates or openings and that is how the uh, frog energy system and the human energy system connects and then because we're not ingesting it, it can be more controlled. So if a person is having a, a reaction or when they come to the end point of their treatment, it can be taken off. And by taking it off, the um, effects start to subside very quickly. But if it was ingested, there would be no way of removing it, right? So that's oh, okay. Administered this way. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that are... <clears throat> so you can just turn it off and on through a cut or a burn? Yeah, pretty much if... Yeah, but in a matter of speaking, yeah, for sure. How long does it take so, to shut off? Um, it's quite it's quite quick. Wow. Um, the effects are still in your body, like the medicine has entered. Yeah. But, but by removing the medicine, it's it's uh, what it's doing is stopping how much more is entering your system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like 10, um, 15 minutes kind of thing, or. Uh, you mean that the medicine like if, is if, on? Yeah. If you remove it, like, would it slow down within 10, 15 minutes, kind of? Yeah, it slows down almost like immediately. Oh, wow. Like you'll start wow. to s- feel like it it subsiding. But again, the effects are still in you. Um, 
And it's not like it completely goes away. No, no, of course. That's not what happens. It's more like, okay, the, the rising of the medicine that's subsided. And uh, it's usually after a person has a feeling of completion, again, usually because everyone's so different. Sometimes it's removed because someone is having such a difficult time with it. Yeah. Um, Or uh, for other reasons, for instance, if they're like really lightheaded or it's too much and they want to give it a break, maybe they'll come back and try it again the next time. Um, So there are many reasons uh, that that would happen. Um, But combo, I just wanted to say, is very different from like 5-MeO toad. Yeah which is a psychoactive. Is um, that a frog combo. too? No, that's a DMT, right? Yeah. So that's a different, different medicine altogether. Combo is a non-psychoactive. It's completely legal in the United States. Um, it is the way I describe it, especially for those who are um, familiar with uh, plant medicines or like the medicine of I call it earth medicines, right? Like these medicines that help with deeply connecting to um, different aspects that might have been disconnected from yeah, us yeah, yeah. or we may have been disconnected from. Um, so I feel like a good way to, to visualize it is you have like the psychoactive medicines on one side, like for instance, like San Pedro or ayahuasca or 5-MeO toad. And then you have like the medicine of combo on the other side. Um, so the where, psych- where psilocy- psilocybin would be on the other side with DMT then? Yeah, yeah. The reason why I put those together, these are psychoactive yeah, medicine yeah, yeah. versus a combo, which is a non-psychoactive. But think of it as like yin and yang, right? Um, they're um, seemingly opposites to a complete whole. The reason why I say that is psychoactive medicines seem to work on the level of consciousness, like our awareness and our connection to like the cosmos, our infinite beingness. Uh, we have these like outer dimensional experiences. We're like, whoa, we're in the fifth dimension. I'm looking at myself from an outside perspective, right? Um, I feel just in my exposure to working with the medicine community extensively and um, from people I've run into along my path that oftentimes this can cause a lot of ungroundedness if we don't have methods to integrating these lessons into our lives. It's almost like we gain a lot of theory about our life. Like, oh yeah, that's an issue that I have. I would like to look at that. We have all these theories. Um, These medicines really help to connect us to like, oh damn, it is all one, right? We Mm -hmm. have these profound experiences of, uh, of these reminders um, but how do you integrate that? Right. And uh, so combo for me has been very tremendous in that it really helps us to ground. It helps us to be in our body, you know, and <clears throat> especially in spiritual practice. Um, again, in the idea of, of reconciling seeming opposites, like how do I reconcile the idea that I am the I consciousness itself and I am also Jane, you know what I mean? Like I am also the one that is in this body. And this body is this tremendous technology that is actually helping me to understand my experience in, in a deeper fullness. Mm-hmm. So then I have the opportunity, for instance, if I'm um, kind of severed or disconnected from my intuition, my body knowledge, and the wisdom of this technology to work with a medicine like combo that's like, whoa, I remember now my senses are super heightened. You know, I become so much more sensitive and remember how 
deeply I am affected by the energies around me, mm-hmm. like in my day-to-day life. So um, oftentimes my, my senses will be so enhanced, like my, my um, sense of smell, for instance, I can really like, especially my work, it's very helpful. I can smell when people have really bad digestion, <laughs> like, whoa, they got specific things going on in their digestive tract, whether it being like the descending colon, ascending colon, lower intestines and stuff like that. You can really like start that to get. sounds real wonderful. <laughs> it can be nauseating. <laughs> But I get used to it. Yeah, especially working in the area that I am uh, in. Well, it's a good thing you're not in studio. Oh, why is that? I could imagine there's some (laughs) smells flying around this motherfucker. It's It's a a small space, space, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, again, like in my practice too, like I I don't usually like, uh, I just like, oh, that's is it through like mainly through breath, breath or body odor, or both? Uh, both, yeah, both, yeah, and uh, just um, becoming more and more exposed to like um, specific people and like their issues. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that might right, right, like, or that's how that might manifest. You know, um, things like that. I mean, you can tell in like the outer appearance too, like bags in the eyes, like skin eruptions, and all that. Kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? um, but. It, in doing my kind of healing work, um, I've become, I think it's just kind of my nature too. I'm very non-squeamish with like bodily fluids, right, right. <laughs> dealing with a lot of vomitous bile. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. It's good stuff. So I've heard, um, I've heard a lot from people recently, like we've had some people on that have done that do retreats and stuff on, on this type of plant medicine and, and healing from addiction all, but I've also heard the other side where people are very where they're getting wary as well, that there's too many people out there trying to do it. And it's kind of more of like a cowboy mentality where there's not enough monitoring and not Need enough, more Indians, you know, not enough. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I yeah. totally agree with that. Um, I think that um, just like with any spiritual practitioner, uh, whatever, you know, wares we are touting or selling, um, or providing an offering, um, just like even as a Vedic astrologer, when a person goes to a healer or you know um, for spiritual guidance or pretty much any advice, really, it's like, yeah, you might have these credentials, but I always look to the person: am I resonating with them, right? And also, like the the power of their medicine that they are providing and offering is really going to be determined on the spiritual maturity of, of the person who's providing this medicine. Um, so I really find that it's important to know the practitioner and the, the type of like spiritual development um, uh, they have accomplished. And, you know, sometimes that's hard because people can talk, right? I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things that we're in a really interesting time because this kind of medicine being uh, specific, like psychoactive medicines being um, illegal, illegal, yeah. Actually, make yeah. it actually makes it much more difficult to be uh, like having good practitioners. For instance, I feel very lucky that I've run into specific uh, communities that are extremely responsible, not only responsible but um, extremely like uh, experienced and knowledgeable and very. Um, authentic and um how do you say that like really honest about their medicine practice and uh i feel that because of that i've been 
I've had a really good experience with medicine, but I've same with you run into so many people that have had like some terrible experiences, especially if the practitioner is not someone who's mature enough to hold a very safe space or doesn't have the experience behind them to know what to do in a diverse uh, setting. Right. Because I have run into some kind of scary experiences, even in just my time with working with medicine and I'm not even holding the space. You know what I mean? So I'm like looking at the practitioner, like, Oh, gnarly dude. Right. So it can be definitely (laughs) one of those things where you're like, okay, I want to, I want to make sure that I trust the practitioner. And um, for those who are seeking out this kind of thing, uh, I, I, I would suggest like being patient, know and understanding that if you're ready for the medicine you will really attract into your life um a person that can really support your process into this kind of spiritual awakening that you are seeking um for me as a practitioner i never work with people i don't know and that's just to keep my myself safe additionally i want to keep the medicine safe right if something happens um i can get into a great deal of of trouble if someone gets you know, hurt or they're unsatisfied. And so I want to make sure that I have a good relationship with the person I'm working with. Not only that, if something happens to them, like what, how would that appear um, as a reflection of this medicine itself? I want to keep this medicine safe. I really honor it as a sacred medicine, um, especially in my experience, man, it's really changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy for those. Yeah. It's crazy that uh, putting combo aside a little bit, it's crazy that we're in a, we're in a time, hopefully a short period where, to heal addiction from legal drugs, one of the most, one of the, mo- the best ways to do it is to use illegal drugs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> or frogs. Yeah. Or frogs. Sure. Well, yeah, or frogs. Yeah. Yeah. So that combo is <laughs> that kind of puts you more in the present. Then is it? Is that? Is that? Yeah, I wanted like to ask more about down, that too. Shuts like, down your daydreaming. Is that more of it? And are you talking about combo? Yeah. Yeah, combo really helps with that for sure. It's uh, like being more embodied, being more present in yourself, like means that like I can actually be connected to the communication my body is sending me, right? Like, oh, I, I really feel like the erratic energy of like even having, let's say a television screen nearby, you're like, whoa, I didn't know I was really that sensitive to it. And it's not like it's making us more sensitive. It's just helping us release that which is preventing us from being how we actually are, right? Which, uh, which which part of the, which is also part of what Reiki or yoga or, or Qigong would maybe do, but over a longer period of time, right? Wouldn't it? I mean, don't you get some of those benefits from some of those actual physical practices as well? Absolutely. And um, I think that, you know, I was using this um, kind of slogan previously. It's like, we live in an extreme time, right? And sometimes we need some extreme medicines. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like, the thing is, there's always that that balance to be established um, in our practice. It's not to become dependent on anything, because it would be awesome for me if you know. I don't even know if that's the right way to put it, but like, for me to like go to the Himalayas and meditate in you know in a mountain somewhere, right? Um, it's just that's not what I've chosen to live in this lifetime. I've chosen to be here, living in a crazy city in Southern California, where there's all of these uh, like eccentric energies, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of like chaos. And so sometimes, you know, it's not even sometimes, it's more like nature has also provided medicines that are just as crazy 
that will actually help us to establish balance. Huh. Um, however, I do want it to kind of go back to what you had mentioned about, um, you said it like uh, in the day and age where we're dealing with um, this intense drug addiction um, yeah. from legal drugs, sometimes yeah. it's, it's going to illegal drugs. I do want to make the distinction, however, between drugs and like medicine. I think yeah, that yeah, kind totally. of like blurt that, that word out just, just to like make it clear, especially for, for, um, for people um, that support my work. I just want to make it very clear um, my opinion, my perspective on it, that um, there's a huge difference between medicine and medication and drugs. Um, although we do lump, let's say, for instance, unless you're a cop, like even marijuana, like marijuana. <laughs> well, that's that's that was my point when I did say that it was you it was in the context like of cop. it was in the context of this is what the you know the uh, the institution thinks of it, not man. not yeah. not the culture. Not <laughs> 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 so go ahead, even 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 marijuana. Yeah, um, that's a drug. I mean. She, she as a medicine, right? Because she is a, um, a, a plant spirit, very different from, let's say, like, actually, maybe not using that example specifically for what I'm going to say right now. Um, let's say um, using um, ayahuasca versus DMT. Um, so DMT is the synthetically derived version or laboratory derived version of the master plant spirit ayahuasca, for mm -hmm. instance, or, or any derivative of it. Um, but when we work with a master plant spirit like ayahuasca, for instance, we are specifically connecting to um, the spirit of that plant. And, you know, I'm sure you've experienced in your um, own ceremonies when we work with her, she's in the room, right? We feel her definitely like over us, watching over us, creating the space. And of course, it depends on the strength of the practitioner holding that space how deeply you can go into that journey feeling supported by another being right? mm -hmm. versus like, I personally have never been drawn to DMT or any synthetic version or derivative of this medicine for whatever reason, perhaps it's because I've had these profound experiences with mother or mother that I can't, I just don't have any desire for it. Um, but in my conversations with people who have worked with DMT, yes, you'll have this like explosive kind of out of body, fifth dimensional experience, but it never seems quite like the experiences I've, I've ever had with Madre or Ayahuasca, you know what I mean? It's Is it like acid versus mushroom sort of thing? I feel like it can be. Um, yeah. I always feel like I worked with acid when I was younger. Um, and this was before when I was more like playing and like experimenting. I didn't work with it. I used it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I abused acid more than yeah. Dropping acid, right? Totally, totally different. Put it in your eyes. But whenever I worked with acid, I felt like I felt like I was inside a television. No, it's like. Yeah, I know the feeling. Like you're on display. Yeah. I get that with mushrooms sometimes too. And one yeah. time I did mushrooms on the, on the podcast and then that was the end of that. You were on a podcast? <laughs> yeah, we did a couple, we did one called the, yeah, Enter the Mushroom. Oh, and, that's uh, cool. Okay. Yeah, Darren saw some pretty interesting things. He's, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Good time. Uh, that was like I our most downloaded podcast for a while there. It was pretty oh, good. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Okay. And then and then Darren got scared, took it out, took it off the feed. Oh really? <laughs> it's on the black budget now. <laughs> Supporters only. Yeah. Supporters only now. So <laughs> there's only like twelve of them, so it's not a big deal. So what I was gonna say is is <laughs> is there a risk at because I I have this. We all know the story of this guy. He's fa- fairly famous. I won't say his name, but he he had a really severe marijuana addiction. And he and he and he healed it through like you know it was one of those ones like chronic you know Damn chronic Hancock. addiction and and oh, what a dick <laughs> what a dick and and he went to he went to do ayahuasca and he and he healed it like he realized like what oh my god like he's got this addiction and but now he's been to, to, done ayahuasca like eighty five times or something like that so like is there there's a risk for addiction there as well isn't there I mean what if you're just replacing one with the other and it's even what people think of as these, you know, healing spirit medicines or healing medicine, yet that becomes like for me, cause I'm, you know what, we talked about this before, but and he's I back would, on the weed. I would like some, some guys consider, you know, it, it okay to do psychedelics, but for me, like I won't, I won't do that in my recovery. Like I'm that, cause I, I'm, I know my own personality and I'll be looking forward to it the next weekend. And then the next weekend until, until, you know, I'm doing it on a Wednesday night. I mean, that that's what will happen to me. So in the studio, in the studio, yeah. I need one. I, I see. I said Wednesday I need night. One more <laughs> before we do the show. <laughs> Fucking leave me alone. <laughs> I think that's a great thing to to talk about. Um, it's something that I've also kind of run into in my own practice. Um, I think to look at developing our awareness is really what we're trying to do here, right? So if we're kind of like falling into the use of these medicines or these ceremonies as a way of escape, mm-hmm. you know, being really honest with that yeah. is a really big part of, of like taking responsibility and yeah. understanding that we are co-creators of our spiritual journey rather than like, oh, I'm just like running the rave and oh my gosh. And like, <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with like lack of, lack of self-awareness, right? or being in, in denial. Yeah. And I feel like in the spiritual community too, I've been running into a lot of this kind of thing, which is um, uh, spiritual bypassing. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to a ceremony. I'm awesome. Like, this is like, I'm doing my spiritual practice. But oftentimes, again, like no judgment because people are in different places with you know their journey. And perhaps- That's a seed. I mean, it, it, person, yeah. yeah. It, and and that, that might be that the, that the first couple steps or whatever. Yep, yep. Right. And um, I, I find that it's, it's, you know, more important to, to like go through that process and then come out of being like, whoa, I was really, you know, in denial. I was using that just as another form of escape rather than being like, you know, scared to try anything and just being, you know, locked in fear. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, such a fine line. You really got to find out what works for you. Um, but even with um, like marijuana, like for instance, for myself, having also this addictive tendency because I have such an extreme personality. You know, if I do something, I'm going to do all the way. So even like with like smoking marijuana, at, at first I would like smoke it once in a while. And it was after I had um, sustained an injury and it gave me a, a great sense of relief to be able to work through the injury mm-hmm. move on from there. But afterward I just kept smoking it, Yeah, you know? And what that revealed for me um, and it took a long time to actually accept where I was that I'm smoking a lot rather than being so fixated on, I can't be smoking instead looking at like, why am I smoking so much? What 
is it that I'm trying to find relief from, you know? And it wasn't until I just allowed myself to be fully in that. And this is what scares people. I think they're like, Oh, I can't be doing that. And so they're just like resisting the fact that they are seeking relief from something. And if we were to not resist that and actually take it as an opportunity to look at what is it that I am finding, looking uh, for relief for, then I feel like it really helps us to find a different plateau, like, uh, excuse me, move out of a, maybe a plateau that we have found in our spiritual journey. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm good. Everything's all good. But why do I keep smoking marijuana? Mm-hmm. You know? And instead of like, that's bad, I shouldn't do it. And then like spend months trying to stop doing something. Look at why am I seeking relief? And this has been really tremendous for me. Like, uh, not, like not too long ago. It's like, why do I keep seeking relief? What am I seeking relief from? And then I realize I'm in a great deal of pain. You know, and again, going back to those traumas that we are really holding deeply in our emotional body, so much so that they've been relegated to the subconscious mind that they're completely unaware to our consciousness. And it's when we do things like smoke marijuana and we're like, I hate doing that. It makes me feel terrible. Uh, allowing that to be this kind of um, shadow teacher, like the, my shadow is coming, is coming out to light. Can I allow the shadow now to teach me something? Like it, mm. That's why it's here. It's those subconscious um, areas of our life that are coming back to the surface so that they can be examined and then reintegr- healed and reintegrated. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that makes so, sense. yeah, I feel like the same thing with like ayahuasca or anything, really. It doesn't even have to be like master plant medicines or studying um, astrology. Like plain old cocaine. Crazy. For sure. Not even that, like overeating or like sex addiction or like television. Uh, it can be really anything that we start to find ourselves like coffee escaping to coffee. It can be, wow. it really is just a, yeah, come on, let's not go there. <laughs> so Why? Someone drink? I love coffee and I, uh, it's not the best for me. I'm trying sure. to get down to 60 ounces a day. How many? 60. What, are you, what are you at right now? <laughs> I don't know. Probably like 70, 80 70 ounces. Wow. What did I get, like put that in a normal, like what, what's that for cops? Well, I guess like An sixty eight ounce ounces cup is eight, like, like that's, ten that's cups like of coffee. Eight cups. Eight that's cups like of three coffee. Starbucks. No, how many? How many grandes? Because that's the like you can't measure it in a two hundred fifty mil cup. That's not a cup. That'd, that's be, like three that'd be like three grandes. We live three, in oh, Canada. That's, that's not bad. We don't three grandes. Starbucks. That's not bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's not bad. No, really. but if you put it in the grande it's perspective, like two extra it's not large, that bad. It's like two extra large Tim Hortons. Yeah. Well, it's like fucking well, nothing. I could just plow through that. Do you think that, Darren, do you think that you're riding the um, the wave of... Uh, I got a fucking job, manja, Jane. Manja of caffeine. And I got to plow through it every day. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anything in particular, but maybe it's something you can examine, you know? it's. Yeah. I, should, go down, I should. Go down for some toad stuff. I should. Yeah, these, Some are, combo. these are the things that, uh, that um, can manifest into um, bigger issues. Does that make Ooh. work longer if you're on Toad? Would work be longer? Or? Uh, are you talking about Combo? Yeah. Or MEO Toad? So Combo's a frog. Frog, and- Oh, frog. We keep calling frog. it a Toad. It's I think, I think it's because you're thinking MEO Toad. No, no. Right? We were thinking Combo, but I keep saying okay, Toad. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So Combo. Combo can definitely help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely can you talk more about that process of combo because i i don't think we i, I don't think I, you interrupted yeah, it. yeah yeah classic oh yeah those are those are some important tangents right 
Okay. So uh, with combo, um, it really helps us again to connect to the uh, physical body and on, on just a pure physical level, it's a detox and deep cleanse. So oftentimes um, when we have, let's say physical addictions, even to like sugar or um, uh, different food addictions, chemicals in our processed foods and things like that, it can work as a physical detoxificant to release toxins from the body. Um, I, I work in a side note, I also work with um, colonic irrigation and um, intermittent fasting, extended fasting and things like that. Um, and combo can help to alleviate our, our physical connection, like metabolic, like dependencies on certain foods mm. by giving it like a, a, what we call immune reset and lymphatic system reset. It's specifically in, in what I've seen in my own experience, it targets the liver and the liver is, is working so hard to help us to keep up with our detoxification process. And, and so I've, I've never seen this in any other um, cleansing technique. It gets so deep into the liver that you can see, like you'll see like a little bit of vile come up and vomit, for instance. But when you work with combo, you see like some neon shit. It's some crazy stuff. It's like, it's like so, I can't even describe it. It's like so yellow that it has like, it's almost solid looking. Oh, it's completely opaque. And oftentimes it'll like over time, it'll turn like green, brown, gray. Oh, it's just like substance I've never seen come out of a person in any other method. It's such a deep, deep cleanse. Um, and because it is such a powerful detoxificant, oftentimes people will have like skin um, uh, responses because of course the skin is the largest detox organ in the body. So sometimes like people will feel like their skin is on fire. It's, um, and uh, sometimes we'll get skin eruptions. I know I've had some skin eruptions from working with um, um, detox programs. Um, and really the, what led me into working with combo is because of my own past of working with so many uh, man-made substances like cocaine, heroin, um, alcohols, just so my, my, I just felt so like nasty in my body. And so it's really helped. And, and you know what, it wasn't until like, I work with combo for like three years, I feel so much more connected to my body, but it really depends on like how often you're working with the medicine and also like what you're doing as a measure of integrating. Um, I also want to mention for myself, what has been so profound with working with combo is that as a, an animal, as a animal spirit, the frog has no, no fear in its experiential field because it has no natural predators in its environment. So what it also does and beyond just the cleansing is it helps us to connect to our inherent fearlessness and that allows us to start making like changes in our life that we may have felt like you know, stuck in some way from being able to do. So for instance, like even beyond the physical um, detox, uh, I have found people will like you know, sever ties from certain jobs, certain relationships, and, um, you know, including habits and things like that. And oftentimes it's, um, we didn't even realize it was because of fear 
and also like the illusion of having certain duties and obligations to things that I was unable to enact these certain measures in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. What about what about yeah. people just with chronic illness or there's a bunch of different things now that it, people are really having really a hard, hard time even diagnosing or getting help through the, the Western medical system? Um, yeah. What about sure. like, so, so no, not addiction problems, but just really deep physical issues? Yeah. So I've actually worked with some, some people with some gnarly health issues. Um, and just like with everything in terms of um, like human experience, they all have some kind of spiritual energetic root. Right? So yes, it will help to, uh, for the body to become stronger and to gain a great deal of relief. But ultimately, when I say integration, I feel like what I'm saying is finding those things in my actual life experience that is causing my body to physically manifest these illnesses. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So even like with substance addiction, that is a manifestation of a coping mechanism that is, that is um, appearing because of something that I'm not dealing with in my life or an issue I have not really understood or a trauma that I have experienced that I have not fully recovered from and, and healing that my body's like, we need to look at this. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so whether it be substance abuse or it be like a severe physical illness, they all stem from the same source. And it's just really like the varying degrees of severity um, that they have, they have manifested in, in, in a person's life. Do you know, do you, do you have any other areas that, uh, <clears throat> any other physical locations that do this kind of therapy, like combo, like anything in Canada or any, anywhere else besides like, would you recommend people to go Is to other like locations? Is it like a powder or a liquid or? Oh, combo. Um, <clears throat> so I'll answer that question and then go back to to yours. Darren usually interrupts me. So yeah, that's ask okay. him, <laughs> answer, answer him first. That's why we call it Cry America. <laughs> so the way that the um, medicine is um, harvested from the frog is that the the waxy secretion on the frog, which is the venom itself, is gently scraped off. And then dried. Upon, yeah, put upon um, bamboo sticks to dry. And then, so the medicine is actually non-manipulated beyond that. Like, it's straight venom that's dried on sticks. And then we, the practitioner takes the medicine and just reconstitute, reconstitutes it with water. So it's just straight from the frog. Straight goo. So. Straight so goo it's like on you the drink cut. it? Oh, you no, just you pour put, the goo on it. You're putting it on your cut. You're opening up a gate. It's like mm -hmm. froggy frog gel. Mm -hmm, pretty much, yeah. Oh. And so what we do is uh, we create little um, little um, balls of, of venom, and then we put that on the burn openings. Could I just put that under where, my tongue? Where do you usually put the burn? <laughs> like, where do you usually put the... Well, you don't want to do that because then you can't stop it if... If yeah. you get yeah. to, you know, how long does it last? If it, yeah, but I don't know. I let, I tend to jump in with both feet when I. Is that an option? Of, of eating it? Yeah, I, I would not recommend eating it because one, you don't know how your system will react, and two, there's no way of removing it. Well, no, but forever? Then I'm just like fuck him. What wow, if he's already it. embracing? <laughs> what if he's already embracing the frog animal spirit of no fear, and he's just what jumping right in? What does the right frog in? say? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's really following your intuition because I don't think that that would be so good for, <laughs> for your survival. 
Um, but again, you know, I, I haven't done it myself. However, there was a, a some times when I'll be like holding the palate, and, like putting medicine on, and there'll be a little venom on my my my, uh, my finger, and like somehow, you know, I'm like wiping my face, and I'll like feel it coming into my pores. Wow. Or at one time, there's like it kind of like got into my mouth, and I started to feel like a uh, numbing, and also like a. <laughs> Inflammation and swelling. Oh man! Oh, for sure. I would, I'd I order like, me up some Whoa. combo online, and that'd be boom. You find me in here dead with my throat swelling. <laughs> <Yeah, up. dude. laughs> Again, this is not protecting the medicine in any way. Yeah, that <laughs> exactly. would not be good. <laughs> no. It's okay. We'll hide. We'll we'll hide it and say it was something else. Yeah. We would never blame the bread. Never. <laughs> Fucking gluten. <laughs> gluten. But you were meant, you were asking Graham about um, other places. In. yeah you know, uh, are you were you asking specifically like where can we get it, like in calgary do we buy do we buy it by the stick <laughs> you, can. you actually you can yeah it's totally legal you can purchase it online like everything else right um it's just that i would be wary of like knowing what to do with it yeah i'm gonna put some on graham's coffee Bulletproof oh coffee. <laughs> so, so there are people doing it all, all over the place. Then. Is there like oh, a sure. yeah? Is there like a spot where you burn yourself? Can you have? Do you have a scar? Yeah. So the tribes, um, like the, the the tribe that I use, um, or I get guidance from, is the Matsis, and they. Sorry, use, we couldn't sorry, hear. Yeah, we couldn't hear the tribe. That? Oh, excuse the Matsis. Okay. And they uh, generally will, for women, they'll put the the combo on the leg. And then men will generally do the, the arm or the chest. But as a practitioner, um, it's really anywhere you feel kind of intuitively called to do it and where there's a lot of like blood flow. And it's not going to be a place where, you know, for instance, for a woman, if you got it on your leg, but you wear like high heel, like high, high ankle boots or something, it's going to like cause... Um, some damage to the area and that can cause like inflammation or irritation which might even lead to infection you know so it's just choosing a place that that seems um, good for you um, but really there's no right and wrong in terms of where to place the medicine because people put it on the chest I put it on the back on the neck um, anywhere on the arms it's just certain places you know like I don't know if I do the fingers because there's a lot of like washing of the hands which might cause irritation um, and there's also like the skin is really thin in certain places. Um, so the burns might be more uncomfortable and you know, blood flow is you know, lesser in certain areas like the feet, for instance. But really, there's no right or wrong place. Hmm. Hmm. Why don't it be someplace you can reach so you're not like, yeah, you can't yeah, get it off. That would be a smart like... thing for sure. <laughs> but if people like people have um, requested for me to place it on areas where uh, for instance, if they're having pain in a certain area, for they like to have it uh, placed there. I think because it brings like more localized focus to that area, energetic focus to that oh. area. Hmm. Yeah, so that's another thing that you can do. But if you're not dealing with anything specific to one side or an area, then really it's it's any place that you feel intuitively like inspired to work with. I think. Hmm. But you know, I feel hmm. like people have the varying varying opinions on all. Yeah, this. yeah. So I just order this stuff the combo online <laughs> burn gram oh and rub some on and then when he wants me to i take it off i'm not doing it dude. <laughs> it's not for me in calgary no it's for oh. 
Well, what, whoever well, um, we, we from you others. can also find um, um, practitioners who are are experienced. Um, I'm sure there are people in Canada doing it. Is that something you could do online? Yeah, and I have the the teacher that I work with. His name with, is Simon Scott, and on his website he has a list of um, of practitioners that he recommends in certain areas. Oh, there you go. And you know, yeah, so you can you can find a practitioner in your area. You should go and do California, the course, I'll give you some burns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you we'll, do make, we'll do the California trip. And, hmm? You should yeah, do the course you so you could be the combo guy, the local combo <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, too, like, um, if you feel called to work with the medicine, you can eventually, I think, you know, if you feel like, wow, I really resonate with this combo medicine, um, because I, I, I administered to myself um, being a practitioner, and that is what really allowed me to work with it so often and frequently and so for so long in a way that was um, affordable and also accessible. And I don't have to like make an appointment with everyone and like you know, go out to see someone, find a place to stay. Uh, so if you feel uh, really called to the medicine, then I don't see why you couldn't like learn. But I definitely um, took uh, took an apprenticeship with my teacher and studied with him for some time. Yeah. So it's, you know. Just like with anything else, it's really deepening your understanding um, to your connection with that specific medicine and then studying and practicing it, just like with anything. Yeah. So then how important after that is like the physical practices of stuff like, you know, you do Tai Chi and yoga and all that. I mean, I found yoga to be super beneficial. I mean, we're going to do a whole show on it, although I have to admit, I haven't, I've been totally out of practice. I haven't been like on the mat in in seven or eight months. So I seem to go, I seem to go through these phases where I'll go like a few years, like as soon as I get back into it, I'll get back into it. But then I have a hard time when I stop getting, getting back on the mat for some reason. That's really weird. I have this, you know, I have this like on the mat. I know. Yeah. Perhaps uh, it's boring a little bit more like what is what is preventing you from feeling amazing, you know? That's right. What, yeah, that, what, what okay, is, yeah, there is something there, yeah. Yeah, what it what is it that's preventing you from like integrating a practice that is allowing you to like cuz really the physical practice it really does help us feel amazing. Yeah. What kind of things that are we allowing to impede us from having that in our life? Is it like this um kind of the illusions, of course, of like duty and obligation. I've got so much to do. Well, do you have so much to do that you compromise on your own health and well-being? Mm-hmm. No. And um, Dungeons I feel, and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's getting in the way I'm of my yoga. Because yeah. That's also you do know, it during. <laughs> What's that? You could do it during yoga and Dungeons and Dragons. Do like a new pod. Yeah, <laughs> the dragons do. I've yours. done a little bit. I've done some leg stuff. I don't, I don't stuff. know what dungeons and dragons entails. So. That's okay. That's that's good. <laughs> don't don't leave it at that. I it's just to, a new I thing. That, it's just know. a new thing that happened to correspond with my stopping of the I yoga. I used to not know until we <laughs> oh, figured really? out that ground. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was hoping well, Darren wouldn't pick up on that, but he did. So <laughs> I'll admit it now. It's heavy, oh, yeah, like, heavy, is it, heavy is it, is it role like all playing. Where you would call it? Uh, an, like a or like a... Oh, I couldn't hear that. Conveniently, is it, is it is it getting to a point where you would call it a coping mechanism or an addiction? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He has a, he has like as hard as that as hard as that is two hundred twelve sided dice or whatever the fuck. They are. It's <laughs> oh, fucking wow. crazy. 
I don't well, you know have to. No, you come go on. And just like feel really shitty, and then be like, "Wow, um, I need to get back into the practice." If being yeah. gram ain't so bad. Like sometimes we're like so stressful on ourselves when it comes to practice. Like yeah. I have to do it this time. I have to do it for this many hours, and like we we stop to like lose the joy in it. Yeah, you know, if, if that's happening, then I feel like well, of course we don't want to practice anymore. Yeah. It's a killjoy, yeah. you know, and and instead we start to go into other practices or or activities that we do find enjoyment in again, and so I think you know you know besides looking at it and being so serious about oh like why am I deflecting from my from my practices like is it is it fun for you? That's a good if point. Yeah. And yeah. freaking find something that you enjoy. Yeah, you know that's why we're here, and I find a lot of times too, um, uh, a lot of practitioners can become really serious. And when I, when I guide a yoga practice, I focus on like really feeling amazing, you know, mm-hmm. and if that's not the, the center point of your practice, then, you know, it's very easy to fall away from it. Mention some of the benefits too, though, of it, because it's, I mean, I found it helped me be present really like listen, having to listen to the teacher, listen to your body, focus on your breathing, you know, really, really stay present. Like if you're not present, you're kind of just all over the place and it's very, it would be very noticeable to yourself. Sometimes I just lie on the floor on my back. Yeah, that's fine stretch too. Stretch my yeah. arms out. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, aside from all the other practices, like when we work with like psychoactive medicines or um, even like um, physical medicines like combo, honestly, like the physical practice of yoga, for instance, or Tai Chi or Qigong, those have really been my the cornerstone of my own life and practice and journey because that's the time when you're like, quiet with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and you are able to examine your life and examine your body, examine, like, how do you think about yourself? How do you speak to yourself? What is my attitude when I find myself in a challenge? Like really your physical practice is a microcosm of those things in your life. And it's outside of all the distractions. Like when you're in combo, when you're in a ceremonial combo, like you are deeply in effect of this outside thing. You're connecting to the frog, which is something outside of you per se, you know, maybe not in this and all that, but you know what I mean? It's like totally outside your physical embodiment and you're connecting to that. But in your physical practice, this is you, this is you. And that's oftentimes why I feel like people kind of shy away from that practice, especially as they go deeper into it, because they're becoming more sensitive. So mm. maybe you've come to that place in your own practice, Graham, where you're becoming more sensitive and you're starting to tune into more of like how you really speak to yourself and what's going on in your mind. Because I feel like that's the most challenging thing. And ultimately that's what we all want to explore more of, at least in the spiritual sense is like, who am I when I don't have all of the other things that are distracting me? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like my my job, my responsibilities, all the things I do for fun, um, all the identities and the personas that I give myself. And if it's just me and the mat breathing in my body, like where am who am I really? And, and then we really get to become deeply acquainted with that. Of course, there are all the physical benefits, and that's again something that's very important, but really it's a side effect mm-hmm. of what's happening inwardly, which is a deepen, deepening a connection to myself, you know? Um, and so when I guide yoga practices, a big part of it is like really noticing how do I speak to myself? What voices arise, uh-huh. you know? And so 
a big part of, um, of my understanding, my connection to the yoga practice, the physical yoga practice, is yoga chitta vritti narodaha. Yoga is the stilling of the mental chatter. Mm. The way I understand the mental chatter is the voices of everyone else. When I go into like a really difficult pose or it's a pose I've never done before and I start to realize, oh, I have these self-doubts or I have this self-consciousness or I feel weak, I feel, I feel fear, I feel competitive. All of these voices, that's what I find to be tremendous in my journey of awakening. Like, oh, what is that? Why are those things hindering me on my path? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know? Yeah, Instead of it being you know, positive, I can get through this or breathe through it or focusing on all the little positive things, yeah. Yeah, because also, too, in the spiritual community, there is kind of this illness, is this spiritual bypassing. When we feel awful, we're like, stay positive, think positive thoughts. But we're not really looking at what is it that's making me feel awful, you know? And so, I mean, this, I think, is much more advanced later on in the practice. And perhaps, again, that's where you're getting to in your own practice is like the physical elements. Okay, my body has become strong enough to, to do certain poses. Now I'm getting to a point where I can start to connect to something deeper. Examine, okay, now I can start to examine like whose voices are those? Yeah. You know, it's usually the voices of our parents, our friends, um, our, you know, society or culture or government social programming yeah. that's really coming up like you're weak you can't do that oh you know you're you know you're you overweight um you need to work on this that and other right yeah and so these are the things that can come up that we can really start to examine and then also i feel that we are supported with other options as well because I feel a lot of times people fear looking at those things because once they look at it, it's like, okay, now what do I do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Well now what, what do I do? I realize I feel really shitty in my job. I feel really shitty in my relationship. I don't feel completely fulfilled with this, that, and other. And so they're fearful. We are very fearful of looking at those things because okay, say, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. How do I get and out so of that? then we have the support systems of, of community um, and also like healing, Reiki, um, energetic healing, as well as like combo and um, master plant medicines, for instance, and all these other things. Mm -hmm. But even yoga itself can help us to alleviate those things. When I feel powerful, when I feel stronger in my practice, that starts to translate into my waking life, my, my life outside the mat. You know, When I notice that I do this pose for the first time, I really suck at it but I do it again and again and again, I realize, oh, it's become easier. Through familiarity, it just becomes integrated, right? So I start to take that same lesson into my life. Like, okay, I'm doing this. However, what's really happening is I just need to face it, breathe through it, and then through that, I realize it becomes easier over time. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm bypassing it or escaping it, but because I know how to deal with the situation and I trust myself more mm -hmm. and I feel more empowered, I'm a stronger person. Yeah. And so again, like all of these other medicines and practices, they've just become support systems. But really the foundation of my journey has been the physical embodiment practices like yoga, yeah. Tai Chi. Yeah. What's the one called where you lie on your back with your arms over your head? That's my best move. <laughs> 
I'm not really That's good. A, I'm not really good at any of the other ones. Very difficult one for most people. Are you talking about shavasana, where you're just lying on your back? I just lie on my back and I stick my arms yeah. up over my head as far as I can, and I try and get my That's the so backs of my hands to touch the ground. Try your shoulder I feel like down. That's the most difficult pose for so many people. Um, Me too. <laughs> and I can't even class. do any other ones. Me and my wife I will mean, start doing yoga, Lisa, and then it's like she's doing the thing, and I'll try like three moves, and then I just. Oof, I go to the, I go to the line like, on the back. I go like how you call them moves, oh, really? too. Well, my shoulders are so fucked. It's a mess. Really? Well, like there, a, are, there are things that you can do to strengthen your shoulders, right? Surgery. No, no, no. I said the prolotherapy. You got to try right. the prolotherapy. Have, right. have you heard of prolo? <laughs> have you heard of prolotherapy, Jane, at all? Prolotherapy? Yeah. No, I yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a naturopathic thing. Instead of, instead of um, cortisone... Is it cortisone, the thing I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like sugar water and, and a little bit of freezing, and it uh, helps regenerate your joints and, and stuff. And there's a guy, a couple guys in Calgary here that do it and oh, inject wow. in your joints. It's very, very, uh, it's natural, very healthy, and yeah, oh, rebuilds cool. everything. Yeah, like all kinds of, like, my girlfriend swears by it for slipped ribs, or she gets sciatic all the time. She's got a lot of crazy physical stuff going on in it, and it helps her, like, instantly, so. Wow. Helped a guy at work too with his shoulder and his hip and mm. all kinds of stuff. So and it's covered. And it's covered. Five hundred bucks for most insurance plans. Five hundred bucks a oh, year. Wow, right? yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, they, yeah. they couldn't help. Me. Yeah, that's awesome because then you can like be able to feel strong enough to do you know, your practices. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brody, Brody, you tried that. It couldn't help you. Well, no, I talked to the doctor and they told me there's nothing like nothing for two do. until I quit work. Like oh, it doesn't that's right. work if you're still if you're causing, still doing it. Yeah, yeah. they would yeah. only doing work for me if I retired. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sucks. What were you gonna recommend, Jane? Were you gonna the recommend what? something before Graham said prolotherapy? Oh, prolotherapy. Um, well, I mean, there's certain modifications that you can. It really depends on what the actual issue is, of course, right? If there's inflammation, I, had, I think it has a lot to do with diet. Um, <laughs> what's what's so, your issue? <laughs> what's your issue? My shoulder is a mess. It's no, no, I, well, you, a mess hurts, is very grinds, vague. It's, grinds, it just grinds. Hurt, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It'll call across is my it, chest. It'll tighten up all those muscles and it just rips it all. It hurts. Well, I mean, like. Massaging it helps sometimes of- or stretching it helps. Like yoga helps. That's the main reason I do yoga is because it kind of loosens everything up in there. So it looks like there's a lot of tension, right? Tension and tightness. So generally that has to do with stress or are you sleeping well? And we're going to have to go back to it like the coffee that's going to cause a lot of the tension right in the body huh. um so i mean it's most things in the the body and in i thought i smoked enough weed to offset the coffee <laughs> but i know i've been there before where we're in this kind of cycle where like he swallowed the, the spider to catch the fly <laughs> Yeah, something oh. like that. <laughs> you know, we get this relief, but then we're like kind of so inebriated that we need to like drink a lot of coffee to wake back up to get the system going again. And then we're just down on this on this crazy roller coaster. So that's why I choose not to to well, hair the dog. Yeah. 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 It just takes me down this crazy spiral and I can't get out of it. You know? That's what whiskey does to me. <laughs> oh, the crazy spiral? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it can get pretty fucking carried away. He ends up good. on acid and ecstasy at the same time in the middle <laughs> oh of his lawn. No, I'm just kidding. He, he's allergic oh. to whiskey. He breaks out and 
a bunch of oh, psychedelics. Really? No, I, no, I'm just kidding. Fire water. I break out in all sorts of terrible things. So, not so a lot of, not a lot of good comes. So before we run out of time, let's let's try try and get on to some sort of bigger topics and stuff because you're you're interested in work like you know we you mentioned the Vedic astrology and I was going to ask you about like the two thousand years out of date thing and like and um, and why why those dates are out of date is that because that was generated based on a sort of a man made calendar that doesn't match with the true cosmology that kind of thing or well or, that's definitely what's going on too like um, as an example of that. The, the the man-made calendar and how or not, or not man-made but made, yeah 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 uh the gregorian calendar yeah, for instance I mean. and how it doesn't match up with um anything really energetic as an example um like january 1st 2018 um we call that new year's right we call that the 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 first day of the year but energetically there it was not a, a time that was conducive for starting anything new you know so because it is kind of this arbitrary date setting and we're like, oh, because of this Gregorian calendar that says this is the first day of the year, um, we're going to put with it those activities that uh. seem to be and starting new regiments. But actually, energetically, we're not being supported in starting new projects because it's actually in the waning phase of the moon. You know what I mean? Because this year specifically, I'm talking about, New Year's Eve, I believe, was the full moon. And right after the full moon, we start the waning cycle, mm. the cycle of decrease, closing down, being like uh, more introspective and being more private and things like that. And yet, because the Gregorian calendar is set to 1 1 2018, we have this like cultural mindset of like, okay, time to go to the gym and start this new program. And so we're kind of like fighting against the energy that is there. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So, so what about how, the however, equinox? Is that a good a day? Deception. What's that? What about like the equinox coming up? Is that a good day to start something? So the equinoxes and like the solstices, um, they're actually based on the amount of sunlight that's, um, that is reflected on the earth, right? So that in itself is not, so much connected to like the Gregorian calendar system. It's actually connected to something astronomical, right? So that would be because that a, always shifts, right? It's never the same each year. It's kind of it can go three or four days past. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. It's specifically connected to um, astronom the to like to astronomy, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the physical amount year. of sunlight. Where, whereas, whereas January first is a, is always January first, and it's different than. Then, uh, it's just like again yeah. an arbitrary date set by the Gregorian. You know, it'd be system. it'd be interesting to see if anything. New Year should be on Christmas. What was? Well, actually, week? New Year should be on December like twenty first. Well, if the New Year um, the, the, would be connected to like the astronomical New Year, right? Yeah, like Which it should be the first sun after the solstice or something. That would make yeah, more sense. It, it would be the first new moon um, after the the winter solstice, um, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, does yeah. anyone do that? Yeah, I was gonna say um, if if, yeah, if there's they do a that in India, they call it they call it Makara Sankranti. It's connected Ooh. to the first um new moon in Makara, which is the the zodiac of Capricorn. Makara Santa Marte. Like, 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 wouldn't it be really interesting to see what what New Year's did line up the closest with the actual thing and see how people did on the re resolutions that year? 
For sure. Yeah. And so what I do is I provide um, like a new, new moon reading for uh, my followers uh, every cycle so that we know like what celestial lessons are opening up for us during that time. So um, for instance, like going back to like the new year's thing, you know, not being so particularly stuck on January 1st, having to be the time to set new year's resolutions. If we were to start our new year's resolution, let's say on a new moon cycle, then that phase is waxing. So the moon, so in by appearances, the new, the, the moon is becoming more and more illuminated, right? So mm-hmm. that's a growing time. And so new projects and starting new beginnings and, and things like that is really being supported during that time. However, this is, this is the same case in every lunar cycle. So we don't have to wait like a year to start new projects, right? So right now, uh, being in a waning phase, um, although um, I do want to say that right now it's the 29th, is it? Yeah, because I know that the podcast will be out later on. Yeah, yeah, and I don't right, want yeah. I don't want people yeah. to be thinking, oh, this is the waiting phase. Yeah, yeah. So today we're speaking in the waiting phase of being the twenty one, but just being more um, weary of of like what, or maybe just more aware of what um, part of just even the lunar phase we're in can help us to make better decisions about when it's good time to start things or end things, hmm. right? Um, and just in that practice alone can help us feel much more connected to a larger picture. And this is um, a really big part of fifth dimensional expansion, like the expansion of human consciousness. And the way I understand that is like right now, living in like the fourth dimension, like three dimensional things like, you know, myself and yourself and objects moving through time, being in the fourth dimension, we're very much like, like very like myopic in terms of our experience being like what I see in front of us, what we see in front of us. But when we start to realize that all things are interrelated and there's a larger picture, that is the start of being in the fifth dimension where we see that earth is actually part of a solar system, is part of the, the greater cosmos. But really this kind of expansion doesn't happen until we go beyond the theory and we start to experience and live the theory. Do you go to the sense. fifth dimension sometimes? <laughs> I think I'm in the fifth dimension right now. <laughs> Do you ever see Trump there playing chess? <laughs> <laughs> that 5D chess, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's pretty good. Well, in the fifth Ooh. dimension, Trump is my brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So, um, yeah, that kind of gets into like Nassim Herman's work That's a little it. bit, doesn't it? We just it? went alt-right again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, I feel like, wow, what a tremendous uh, time we live in um, when we see people like Nassim Haramein getting to a point in their work where, for instance, like he's mathematically proven the oneness of the universe. Like what? (laughs) Right? We got to have that guy on the show. Yeah. Seriously. So just coming to to things like that, you're like, wow. But the thing is, again, it's just theory. Like we we come to understand these things, we're like, wow, that's amazing, right? Um, but until we really experience it in our own lives and start to live it and start to like encounter it on a day to day, we haven't really actually gone into the fifth dimension. But to have the theory, as one of my um, Taoist teachers says, root is the theory. Theory is the root of practice. So oftentimes when we have an understanding of like what I'm trying to understand and feel, 
really helps us to kind of like um, channel our focus. Just like when we channel um, sunlight through a magnifying glass, you can create a fire. It becomes a lot more powerful when it's, when it's focused into a small space. I feel like theory really helps us to do that yeah. in whatever area we're doing. Like, for instance, in you know, understanding oneness, we might have the theory of oneness as it is already mathematically proven, but do I really feel it, you know, and start to recognize, am I able to make eye contact with someone and feel like they are my brother, they are my sister, and that is actually me, and I am them. And, and start to really experience that. And the thing is, if we don't, then we know that, hey, I know where I'm at and I know where my practice can lead me. And when we start to, to recognize how much, how far I am or how disconnected I am from that feeling of oneness, then I feel that our healing process makes a lot of sense. Like now working with ayahuasca makes sense. Working with combo makes sense. Doing yoga makes more sense. Yeah. It goes beyond just like physical health, but like really what we all want to achieve on a spiritual level is that integration of our true oneness to all things. And um, to know that there are things out there and they always have been there that is and are supporting our expansion toward that experience of oneness is super profound, right? Um, and yeah. sometimes, and sometimes it takes more of a maybe maybe it takes more of a scientific um, explanation, like what Nassim will do, to really help open up that other other um, bunch of people that really kind of would rather have that technical aspect to to then, like you said, be able to picture it and then be able to feel it after that. I agree with that because um, even even when we start to actually look at yoga philosophy and the teachings of yoga that go so beyond just the physical practice. The physical practice is actually very young in comparison to um, the larger philosophy. It talks about how um, we're all unique composites of the same elements, right? So we've got air, fire, water, and earth. We all are a unique composite of those elements. And because of that, we will all have a different predisposition predisposition to different elements so for instance if we're so for those people who are very um, air predominant they're going to be highly intellectual and so their process of of unfolding may take a very intellectual route right but be, being just intellectual we will you can just see because i have all the elements within me that somehow i will still feel incomplete because i have not experienced oneness mm -hmm. So for some people, they may not be so intellectually oriented. They might be more like, like emotionally oriented. Like water. That too. Yes. And that too can lead to an experience of oneness. And really, um, whether it be intellectual or not, um, like you had said, that might be like the starting point of what might lead people to, ah, what I have in my life is pretty amazing, but I know that I have not experienced that feeling of connection to others. Like, that's so important. Like, so what? I'm really intellectual and I can understand things in theory, but if I don't feel connected to the person that I see right next to me or walking down the street, I don't feel like, oh, I want to make eye contact, say, hey, what's up, brother? Hey, what's up, sister? Like, there is something there to be investigated. Mm -hmm. So, um, just knowing, and I want to just make sure to emphasize, knowing that if you do feel that disconnect, 
you know, it's something that we can use as a starting point being like, okay, this is where I'm at and not to feel any shame or guilt in it, but know that that's part of our journey. Cause that's how it was for me. I was severely disconnected yeah. with people, you know, and through that process, through my own, own unfolding, man, it's become so tremendous, like what life really is. And to realize that life for me has been this journey back home, this journey back to a realization that all really is one and is completely beyond just that theory. It's a real deep sense like a heart sense connection, not yeah. just like a heart sense connection. It is a heart sense connection, you know? Yeah. Wow. So FNA. is there, before we get into how people can, you know, contact you and how sort of like how they can actually participate and all that, what, uh, do you have anything else you want to share about that before we kind of start wrapping it up? Maybe to speak a little bit on, uh, uh, Vedic astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, we had started to talk about how, you know, it's a, like 2,000 years old, um, 2,000 years out of date, this Western system. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why it, that part of it is, is important for me to address my own work is the fact that when we are actually back in alignment to current astronomical phenomenon, we can literally start to feel the celestial energies at play. And that in itself helps us to experience this fifth dimensional, like fifth dimensional expansion. Because there's one thing to, to like, let's say Nassim Haramin's work to understand the oneness in theory. Um, Vedic astrology is so, um, has been so profound for me because through my study of it, I have realized that what celestial bodies are doing out there per se as the macrocosm, as the cosmos, I can literally feel inside my body. Mm. I can literally feel in my experience with others and I can start to see um, that what is happening is that the energies out there and that correspond to my own energetic body are just all of them in a process of evolution. So when I become acquainted with what those energies actually are myself, I can start to really make sense of my own psyche and like, what is happening on a day-to-day when I encounter someone like, oh, I went through this experience and man, I was kind of shitty to that person. Okay, what is that energy? Okay, that's energy of Mars. That's the energy of Saturn, energy of Venus. And I can start to see that what's happening is that the universe is pri- providing these opportunities for me to work with that energy for it to evolve because that's what's happening. Um, and, and through this process, the energies become alive. No, it's not something that is just like in theory, okay, Saturn does this, Jupiter does this, et cetera. Now I can start to feel it alive in myself. And then this for me has been tremendous in my becoming aware of what is even the fifth dimension. You know? and, and you can and kind so, of think that there, <clears throat> the way these other planets and these celestial objects are interacting i mean the energy does physically shift right i mean there is different electromagnetic spectrums and different different things going on physically so it is interesting how that that interplays with our body and our consciousness Absolutely. it's just hard to it's, picture it's, really it's hard it's hard to picture but there's something there but we're also oh, assuming sure. around earth oh come on don't even go <laughs> there yet yeah yeah and the, oh i yeah. mean everything is is at play um, it's just that this is like the most immediate macrocosm, right? Right, right. <laughs> it's like the oh, most yeah, immediate yeah, yeah, macrocosm right. that we can actually study and see. And actually that reminds me, um, 
uh, I was listening to uh, the Black Market Feed. So I haven't subscribed yet, but I will. Um, I think it was uh, Randall Carlson. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the Black Budget. Yeah, yeah was... Black Black Market. We should call oh, the Black, black market. market Feed. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. It does seem to be available on the Black Market. <laughs> She found the black, black budget on the black market. Yeah, that's, that's pretty right. good. Dude. The new website will she's fix the, all that. She's been on the dark web looking for the black yeah, budget. for sure. When she was buying Toad. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, Randall. So, Randall Carlson. Yeah, all the Randall about. you can handle. Yeah, man, that guy is so cool. And just seeing, like, even um, like how tremendous... His work is in terms of like fifth dimensional expansion, our expansion of, of our consciousness as a human people, as a human race, and seeing like, sorry, um, he talked about the evolution of the of the, um, the planet and the evolution of of humanity, eventually moving toward being a spacefaring race. Mm-hmm. Right. So a big part of fifth dimensional expansion that I see is that. As we as individuals expand and start to become a part of the fifth dimension, um, really that's how we become a spacefaring race. When we start to expand beyond our localized uh, experience, yeah, our paradigm of like Jane's life, I'm in this room talking to you, and see that in a bigger picture of like a cosmic happening. when we start to all, or at least a majority of us start to all come to a point where, you know, this is what we call in the spiritual like community, ascension, ascend into the fifth dimension of like understanding. That's when we can start to ascend as a people off this planet. Yeah. And right now, um, the way that the celestial energies correspond to our energetic body is like sun and moon is here. Mercury is here. Venus is here. Uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, so forth. When we ascend off this planet, we now, as a f- like physically, have ascended out of the fourth dimension, it, physically into a larger dimension. Now we are like in space. We will now be corresponding to, I think, uh, Darren, you're alluding to it, is that we'll be actually affected by a different scape of a celestial body we will no longer be on earth being affected by those planets so once we actually ascend off this planet now we're going to be affected by a larger dimensional scape yeah does that make sense yeah no totally yeah it'll be a different dimension completely yeah even physically so our energetic body that is right now corresponding with the immediate macrocosm will have a different immediate macrocosm well just imagine if you're on a planet with three moons i mean that would be totally different right yeah. totally yeah and so we will no longer shit probably in, gets uh, crazy on that fucking yeah planet. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you're like is it time to renew myself yeah. yet or you gotta wait for all three new moons at once and anything to do with that place <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that'd be super cool i don't know i feel like if it's moons because the moons have to do with super cool there'll be other dimensions in terms of like psychical we missed all that yeah you gotta try twist your cord uh, i think you oh did missed you, you ah, yeah i don't it. know what happened there all right well i guess it's not meant to share it's yeah that's, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly 
leave that little part out. <laughs> there you have it. You never get to know the secrets of the three moons. Yeah, yeah. Unless you yeah, watch so, Chronicles um, of Riddick. Um, yeah. I work right now. I'm um, actually working on um, some videos to talk about all this stuff. And oh, cool. Cosmos, so that uh, people can tune in. I right Previously, um, I've been working through articles, but I feel like, you know, um, you know, interacting through video is, is so much more powerful because I often talk about like how our experience and what we're conveying is so beyond words. So to be completely limited to, let's say, an article, physical written words would um, limit us to, to a certain kind of understanding. So I feel it's time for, for me to reach out in video form. So awesome. That interactive yeah, yeah and it's also a little bit faster you know it's more free-flowing i'm not like editing and all this stuff oh that's a good point too. editing's yeah. for suckers <laughs> <laughs> so there will be some editing involved for sure but um i can put out a lot more information yeah so do you have a youtube channel then i will i will hopefully oh. by the time this video uh or excuse me this uh podcast comes out oh yeah cool. you got a few weeks for sure so as soon as you have yeah. it sent around the url and we'll throw it in yeah i'll throw Ooh, a link in i'll have that it's already they're already in the works the first one i want to talk about is the difference between western and vedic astrology oh good how, um, yeah how coming to understand vedic astrology can help us become more in alignment or deeper in alignment with current astronomical phenomena and really start to feel specifically the macrocosm and how it's affecting us and how we can start to experience this fifth dimensional expansion. So that'll be really cool. I'll get that out. Um, and then hopefully um, with every new moon, I'll also have a video, uh, maybe also an article because people seem to like those about what the new moon forecasts and like what celestial lessons are there for us to partake in and grow. Um, and yeah, so that's what's in the works right now. Um, so how do people, yeah, how do people sign up to that then? Um, you can sign up um, by sending me a message through my website, okagaya.com, uh, to join the mailing list. And then I'll just slap you on there and then you'll get one every month. Um, and I'll also send out any information on upcoming events. Uh, so, yeah, there's also in, some workshops in the, in, um, in the development process. One is to really sync up the, uh, our connection to the energies, the astral energies through the chakra system, through sound bath. Oh, I love so, the sound baths. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. What are you going to use for stuff like crystal bowls and didgeridoos and stuff like that? Or, Well, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I'm hoping to collaborate with, he works uh, a lot with the, the what do you call crystal bowls. Yep. Yep. He also works with chimes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those are good. Too, Floating yeah. chimes yeah. that kind of roll yeah. and it kind of like, it's like a vortice of sound that's that's able to like really hone in yeah so that's in the works right now and that way like not not only just theoretically feel like what the energies are or or like learn about what the energies are Mm -hmm. but also like start to really feel it and start to feel a resonance and a connection like vibrationally oh yeah that's what i've i felt all my chakras open up through a sound bath kind of thing like breathing and, and breathing and uh and sound it was crazy yeah. 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 And I also, um, through my journey have just experienced so much tremendous healing and connection through vibration and sound yeah. Yeah. that I feel like, like how tremendous it's important. Yeah. Different works like that together. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, that's also in the works. Hopefully you know, by the end of the year, if not earlier, um, that's going on. Where are those yeah. going to be down in Southern California? Yeah. Southern California right now. Um, hopefully elsewhere but right now i think that um 
the community here I'm working with, uh, I really deeply resonate with and um, there's a lot of work to be done. So yeah, yeah if yeah. you ever want to visit, we'd love to have you guys. Um, also to any of you viewers, if you're uh, listeners, if you're in the area, would like to join, please just shoot me an email. I'll keep you posted on the events and workshops and things going on. Yeah. And if you ever want to attend one of my classes, um, I'll also have posted on my website, like my, uh, my class listing. So you can join in anytime. Awesome. Yeah. Tell them Grand America sent you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right on. And you know, they're good people. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was yeah a come back anytime. Thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll send Grab down to SoCal one day soon. Yeah, one of these days. We're I was trying to send him to Kentucky, and buddy does he won't go. <laughs> oh, really? When no, no, no. I just... <laughs> was supposed to be a good one. Uh, <laughs> we'll he's see. out. We'll see. He's out. Grumpy Graham. Well, if I'm in Canada, I'll hit you guys up for yeah. sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Sounds yeah. good. You can come and smell the igloo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. We're not well, going to be puking any see, fluorescent bile or anything like no. that, though. <laughs> yeah, okay. <me> too. <laughs> okay. Right thanks, thanks, Jane. Jane. Okay. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now was a chat with Jane Chin. What do you think, buddy? That was great. That was fun. That was a fun yeah. one, wasn't it? Yeah. Always kind of a fun one. Maybe it's kind of inspired me to try get back into yoga a little bit, and I was really close to going. I was looking up classes the other day, so that's. That's close. Well, you're so done. I got to the gym though. So that's why I chose to, the gym oh, over you? yoga, actually. Yeah. There you go. And, and you then I got to sick. Get, you're on so. to like cold cuts and, and vegetable. Oh, yeah. No, that's going good too. Yeah. But I got sick. So it makes you wonder. I should improve yeah, my diet fucking, and my. And it's like going, what are you doing? You're withdrawing from all those doing? fucking things. All those simple carbs just going, we need more. Uh, I don't think it was the keto flu. Precious. I was going to say, that's called carb sickness. No, I don't. I don't think it was. I think it, it was. was. Are you it kidding? Was the chemtrail Loudon no, fire forest no. fires. Get the all fuck the smoke. Out of here. Right? The chemtrails spray the stuff on the trees, and, and then the forest the, fire burns the trees. Burns the trees. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this yeah, is why you have no credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need credibility. <laughs> We're just fucking podcasters. We so, don't need the credibility. Are you gonna do the Campbell thing? The what? The Campbell, the frog, the burn, burn yourself a little gate and your skin, put the Campbell on. And then if you get too high, I'll take it off for you. I promise. Oh, I don't know. Not that, no, it's day. not about getting high. Maybe if someone sends some, I'm not trying to say send that, some to the, to the, to the PO, PO box, box. <laughs> PO box. Hmm. Who knows? Strangest no, but that was inspiring, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like she's only touch, touching the, the surface of Randall's work as well. Like he goes deep into a lot of that stuff. I mean, pretty cool. She's into Randall and the seams work and, and mixing it all with, uh, you know, healing from addiction and the spiritual growth through yoga and all this other stuff. I think it's great. Absolutely. Check out all Jane's stuff. Yeah, if you're in so Southern California, check out her website, sign up for a class, her what? Uh, a class, her website. Yeah. What's that? Just making fun of your Okagaya. Okagaya. Yeah. Okakawa. <laughs> Uh, sign up for a class, support her work. Of course, while you're on the internet, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support and support our work uh, weekly, monthly, yearly, one-time, Patreon, anything you want to do to support us, we would appreciate it because uh, not too many people do. Because you want to become a one percenter.
Yeah. And because you're the shit. Anyway, what else you got? That's about it, buddy. Do all the shit in the show notes, please. All the links are there, yeah. Yeah, because we fucking said so. How's that? All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Just your